Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. Also known as Jeff Boldbloom, I'm joined, as always, by Rob. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. I'm not even sorry. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, mm. and even give our own personal experiences. Do we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Yeah, that's right. Now, this episode of Rewind and Review, uh, we'll be looking at a 23-year-old film for no other reason than because we want to do it, but also because we just got an animated TV series entry into the franchise. Um, we needed an excuse. That's the excuse. Something has survived in this science fiction adventure film, the second instalment to one of our favourite films of all time. So grab your satellite phone, prepare the trailer, and stay the hell out of the long grass as we rewind to the year 1997. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now? Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Nineteen ninety-seven. Pierce Brosnan had his second go as 007. Ghostface returned for a new string of killings. Ellen Ripley was resurrected, and yet another kid was left home alone. Yes, we had some sequels, plenty of sequels, but the most exciting of them all was the sequel to 1993's Jurassic Park. And we are, of course, talking about The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Directed once again by Steven Spielberg and written by David Kep, The Lost World Jurassic Park is loosely based on Michael Crichton's 1995 novel The Lost World. Jeff Goldblum returns as the eccentric chaos theorist and mathematician Ian Malcolm four years after the disaster at Jurassic Park. John Hammond is played by Richard Attenborough again, summons Ian to his home with some startling information. While nearly everything at Jurassic Park had been destroyed, his engineers happened to have a second site where other dinosaurs were kept in hiding. The dinosaurs on this second island are alive and well and even breeding. Life found a way. So Hammond sends a team led by Malcolm to Isla Sauna to observe and document the animals. Hammond's team includes behavioural paleontologist and Malcolm's girlfriend, Dr. Sarah Harding, played by Julian Moore. Documentarian, photojournalist, and environmentalist Nick Van Owen, played by Vince Vaughan. Field equipment expert Eddie Carr, played by Richard Sheaf. And Malcolm's stowaway teenage daughter Kelly, played by Vanessa Lee Chester. They come into conflict with another team led by InGen and Hammond's finances, who plan on bringing some of the dinosaurs back to the United States. Let's address the elephant in the room. We, of course, did our uh, did a review on Jurassic Park. We did indeed. And if you have listened to that, which I'm sure you have, loyal listeners, um, you would know that we, I mean, both just love the movie. I can't remember Absolutely. if you gave it a five. I assume no, I, you I did. gave it just under a five. Get out. Just. Just I think I think I gave it a. Which we should have checked to be honest, but maybe I think I gave it like a four. If we don't even re-listen. Who does? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but of course, yeah, both of us. I mean, I, I know I'm thinking for yourself here as well. Mm. We both love uh, the franchise, absolutely. So I mean, that's a given. <laughs> we we know this. We've been over it. Um, but the, the the Lost World. I mean, I it's one of those movies where I I've lost count. 
Well, the number of times um, that I've watched it. There is no number. That's it. There is no, there number. Is no number. Did you watch it in theatres? I did. Oh, funny story. Thank you mm. for asking. Yeah. So... I'm much like a, a character in a Steven Spielberg film. I'm a I'm a I'm a child of divorce. My my dad. Are you okay? Yeah. No. Well, when this movie was coming out, yeah. it was like, oh my god, like a sequel to Jurassic Park. Like we got to watch it. Bear in mind, I was still fairly young. I was I think, probably six, turning seven. Yep. Um, and mum was like, all right, I'll take you. She hasn't really. She never really took us to movies. It was more of a, a dad mm. thing. She was like, I know you want to see it so bad. We got to go first thing. Let's go. So she took us, forked out the dollars, and then the following weekend, Dad was like, well, I want to watch it too, so he took us again. Oh, my gosh. And then Mum yelled at us. She was like, ah, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to win you over. Ah, oh, and then let's see. So I saw it twice. That's that, amazing. This could... Now, think about it. This could be the first movie I saw twice at the cinemas. That's incredible. Maybe. That's incredible. So I did see it twice in the cinemas as well, but I saw it with my older sister... And a couple of my closest mates in the theatres. And then we watched it in the drive-in as a double oh, feature. Ooh. So, yeah. Dinosaurs at a drive-in. It's yeah. just the so concept works. Both, the, both of the original Jurassic Park movies, for me, I saw them in on in a drive-in. Um, but, yeah, no, this one, my fir- the first experience for this one was in the theatres. And I, I was absolutely blown away by this. And like we said at the top, like the number of times I've seen this movie, I just I don't even have a, an idea. We've got no idea. But even then, I was still happy to watch it for this. <laughs> Let's talk about what the footprint this movie has left behind, <laughs> this big T-Rex footprint that it's given us. Um, on a budget of $73 million, this brought in a box office of $618.6 mm-hmm. So, I mean, we really, I really should have put the notes in for what the first movie brought in in comparison. I think this was underwhelming for what they expected. I think so. Compared to that that first film. Yeah. But that's still pretty decent. I mean, this was the widest release for a film to date. 3,281 theatres. Right. And then they actually had to expand it to 3,565 mm. theatres in its fourth weekend just because it was doing so, so well. So popular. So it was the biggest opening weekend up to that point, up until... Harry Potter and his bloody Philosopher's Stone came around in 2001. Bloody Harry Potter, I can't believe it. It was the fastest film to pass the $100 million mark, and which it took six days to do that, which is pretty good. And it became the second highest grossing film of 1997, behind bloody Titanic. <laughs> I mean... Uh, you can't compete. That's that. fair. That's yeah. fair. But like I said, you know, like... It, it obviously... It still made money, and it was doing... It was breaking records, it was doing stuff, but... Ultimately, it did bring in less money than the first film. But let's not compare it. Why are we comparing? Still made more than the third, That's I think. it. It was released on Memorial Day weekend, I think. I believe Because the marketing so. definitely featured Now, that's, that. a big, that's a big day for yeah. the uh, US release, isn't it? Which would make sense why it met its $100 million mark so quickly, because it was a holiday as well. So, yeah, public holiday, so bank very, holiday. Very, very strategic releasing. So it's received mixed reviews. I don't know why. But um, Rotten Tomato... <laughs> Gives it 53% currently, uh, which is based on 78 reviews. An average of 5.64 out of 10. Metacritic give it 59 out of 100 out of 18 reviews. Um, citing mixed or average reviews there. And CinemaScore give it an average grade of B plus on an A plus to F scale. This movie, I cannot. It's like one of the biggest mysteries. And I'm yeah, I'm showing my hand now. Hmm. This movie gets so much hate yeah. and dislike. I and don't know why. 
And and then uh, you know we we will touch on the other you know the other Jurassic sequels mm. um, in due time. But I mean, those movies get way more love than this. And I'm going to say it now before we get to our rating at the very end. But this is the best Jurassic sequel. Oh, definitely. Oh, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> definitely. I, even 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 with the new franchise, I I'd be I'd be putting it out there as, like, a, as a better sequel. It de- definitely, like obviously, the first one will always have its you know high merits and everything, of course. Hmm. But this one is the best sequel. It has its faults, which I would oh, we'll be more about. than happy to get into. But in summary, uh, what they say about this movie is the Lost World demonstrates how far CG effects have come in the four years since Jurassic Park. Yeah. Unfortunately, it also proves how difficult it can be to put together a truly compelling sequel. And I mean, of course, yeah, the CGI effects and stuff. I agree with mm. that statement. But I mean. Was this movie not compelling? I thought it was. And if you look at through the lens of the modern movies as well, as well as the sequel to this one, oh, it definitely is compelling <laughs> compared to the other. <laughs> and I am going to go into more detail about that. Let's talk awards. What did it get? It, um, it got nominated for the Best Visual Effects at the Academy Awards. It's not really a surprise. No, but Grammy, yeah. though. Grammy. Grammy um, Awards nominated. Best, yeah, Best Instrumental Composition uh, by uh, John Williams. Was nominated MTV Movie Awards Best Ac- Ac- Action Sequence, which was the T Rex attacking San Diego. Oh, MTV! Go MTV! It did win a, a Rembrandt Award Best Director to Steven Spielberg. Yeah, is this one of his um, very few sequels that he's directed? Yeah, in, it's yeah, there is not many. If Indiana any. Jones. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. But he did, <laughs> that's the only did, so so that's the only one him, I think. Both him um, and uh, Michael Crichton, both of them declared after this that sequels were not their their bag. They didn't like them. But anyway, um, it did get also, unfortunately, got a Raspberry Award. Well, nominated. So Worst Remake or Sequels nominated for a Raspberry and Worst Screenplay. Let's talk the franchise. I mean, like, we'll blitz through it. Yeah. Um, We've covered this already before. As we know, in 1990, there was the Jurassic Park novel, of course, written by Michael Crichton. Fantastic book. We did get the the film adaptation and uh, on that Glorious pedestal, the Jurassic Park film in '93, directed mm-hmm. of course by our mate Steven Spielberg. Indeed. In 1995, the Lost World novel, written by Michael Crichton. So wasn't there? There was pressure and stuff for him to get a novel out, wasn't he, Spielberg? He and, was actually approached to write. Yeah, he said, "If can you please give this a go?" Because up until then, he wasn't really a sequel kind of. Because the novel, the Jurassic Park novel, ended in a way where it was like, "It's done. It's done." Like the island was gone. It was like, in fact, I can give you a real, very real quick ca- recap. Hammond dies. Yeah. And Malcolm dies. They oh, both shit. die in that movie. But in even that. in the book, Malcolm's back. Like he is. Yeah, and they write it off as if. He had gotten to the hospital and they revived him, or there, there really wasn't. It was like a misinterpretation on someone's condition. But Hammond definitely dies. <laughs> he he gets eaten. Amazing. Yes, he gets eaten. <laughs> but we've got the Lost World, um, a novel, of course, in '95, um, and then with this ad- adaption, or I kind of want to say loose adaption. It is loose. Adaption. In '97, this film, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, again directed by Steven Spielberg, and they kind of just took. You know, some key elements and went, cool, the basic premise of the novels here, let's do our own thing. I barely remember much of what sort of happened. There's a lot more going on. It's actually my in my top three novels of all time. Wow. So I've read it a couple of times. So, and what I might do is I might pepper in a couple of similarities and differences as we go. We need that. We need that because I can't remember anything from... 
Reading is not my thing. I can read. I can read. Don't get me wrong. Looking back on it, I'm like, I don't remember that at all. I remember enjoying the ride. 2001, Jurassic Park 3, directed by Joe Johnston. And I cannot wait. Probably next year, mm. we will tackle Jurassic Park 3. And I'm, I'm keen. We won't, won't cl- sh- um, show our cards too much on that one. Then in uh, 2015, we had the reboot... I guess of the series. What did what did Sam Neill call it at the time? The rejig. The rejig. <laughs> it's the same universe. It's not. They haven't redone anything. They basically just kept it going, picked it up um, about twenty years later. So, well, it's fifteen years later, really, isn't it? Um. So, two thousand fifteen, we got Jurassic World, directed by Colin Trevorrow. Twenty eighteen, we got disaster of a movie named Jurassic World Fallen <laughs> Kingdom, unfortunately directed by the amazing J.A. Bayona. I like how you said unfortunately, but then said amazing, because he is a fantastic He's director. He's a fantastic what director. What happened to that movie? Oh, and, I've and done my review of it. It's done. That film's huge. Visual, Check it out. Visually, oh. Fallen Kingdom is a beautiful looking movie, especially the island like exploding. It looks amazing. But it's just ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous movie. <laughs> um, and then, so we also got in 2019 um, a short film called Battle of Big Rock, which was directed by Colin Trevorrow, which was basically a little glimmer of a, ta- a taster yeah. of what's to come. What's to come. Um, but this year, yes. 2020, and only only a few weeks ago, we got the animated TV series, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Um, the showrunners are Scott Kremer and Lane Lewis. Cool. Have you watched yes. Camp Cretaceous? All right, cool. Of course I bloody have. I won't, hold, I won't give my thoughts yet because I do plan on doing a review oh, of okay. it on All Sounds right. Like Comics. But, um, I will give my input. Give me some thoughts, um, briefly. So it, it's definitely targeted at younger people. That's fine. It does have a bit of violence and it does have a bit of, bit of death in it. So it's it is, it's not like they've really, really child-friendly it up. Mm. There's still a whole lot of stuff. But basically the premise of it really is, is it's um, a retelling or from a different perspective of the Jurassic World movie. That's it. Yeah. Um, and it's a bunch of kids at a campground on the island and they've got to experience it all as it's unfolding. But did you like and it? it I loved it. I thought it was fine. It's um every every character is a stereotype, and I think that's to be more relatable to young people. It's easy, isn't it? It, yeah. it is. But it's the the animations look amazing, and the the action's great. It's good fun. But it's uh it's on Netflix at the moment. Go check it Not out. Not sponsored by Netflix, but um if they want to. And there are only twenty minute episodes, guys. So you can fit oh, in heaps very of easily games. digestible yeah. for sure. And then to finish off our franchise, what do we have? We do have another one coming. Well, hopefully, if uh, things get back to normal, I mean, it is, they you're are still right, making in production it. at the moment. 2021, next year, Jurassic World Dominion. If you're listening to this podcast in 2021 or 2022 yeah. and it still hasn't come out, pfft, I don't know. We can, only go <laughs> off, <laughs> we can only go off the information we've got here. So that's directed by Colin Trevari. That is going to feature the uh, original cast as well as the uh, modern day cast. So yeah. a, a proper connecting of all the dots. Now, we had Jeff Goldblum come back in... Uh, Fallen Kingdom yeah. briefly to bookend the movie right. he's back in a more substantial role along with Sam Neill Laura Dern so I mean I don't think and the Jurassic World movies have kind of ignored the Lost World to an extent mm-hmm. Isla Son and Name Dropped here and there but they haven't really acknowledged yeah. that the San Diego incident got dropped a little in bit in the Jurassic yeah. World like in Jurassic World in Jurassic Park 3 yeah. they mentioned it and discussed it and obviously they go back to that island as well yeah but they, yeah, Jurassic World has kind of been all about Nublar and as if that's the only island with yeah. dinosaurs. So I don't know how they're going to address it, but obviously... If, God, I hope they go back. If Malcolm's featured in this movie, I mean, obviously his experiences in this movie must play into some sort of element, at least for his character. But yeah. we'll see. Oh, it's all speculation until it comes out. <laughs> 
Hey guys, just a quick editor's note. Just days after recording this episode, we found out that Universal had officially delayed Jurassic World Dominion from June 11th, 2021 to June 10th, 2022. Yeah, I'm pretty upset, but I'll get through it. Um, Obviously, throughout the rest of the episode, we probably refer to Dominion coming out next year. Just disregard that. Let's talk. Let's talk some comic books, um, but mainly the ones that are related to this movie as cool. such. So not every Jurassic kind of comic, but so from '93 to '97, there were comics from Topps Comics. Okay. Um, the Lost World Jurassic Park number one to number four came okay. out in 1997 from Top Comics, of course. Yeah. Which was literally an adaption of this film. Yep. Have you read it? No, hell no. I, have. I did. Have you? Yeah. Oi. <laughs> read it because I. Because it's uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah, and I was like... in school, <laughs> um, and it was available in our library, if so I, I booked can, it out. Well, if I can get my hands on them somehow, maybe Amazon it's just or something. animated versions. And like yeah. one of the things that sticks with me is you see Eddie Carr in the, the car, and the T-Rex come down with his like mouth yeah. opening. Like That's like on the cover. Are they kind of worth thing. reading? Are they worth reading? Uh, it's just it's the same movie. <laughs> oh, okay. No, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, they're fine. <laughs> I just think, uh, maybe I need more stories that, uh, that are different from the actual movie. Video games. Yeah, it's a couple here. Um, I've played a few of them. So you got uh, The Lost World Jurassic Park from 1997, which is a side-scrolling platformer. Um, it's in a totally 3D rendered environment. I think that was on PlayStation. I would probably check out the... Um, Are you just guessing because of the year? Like, it's just like, yeah, it's about around about that time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think which, what, I, what I had at the time as well. <laughs> well oh, right, where I would have played, played it. it. Yeah. Might, have been, might have been Sega. Sega! Anyway, um, Chaos Island, Lost World... It's a strategy game for the PC, um, similar to Command and Conquer. Didn't play that. Trespasser, I played. Uh, it's not. It was released in 1998. It was a digital sequel to The Lost World Jurassic Park. And in this one, the player assumes the role of Anne, who is a sole survivor of a plane crash on InGen's Site B, um, which is one year after the events of the film. And then, you've probably played these ones. Yes. I mean, obviously there's been a few Jurassic games. Yeah. But the, I want to highlight, obviously, Jurassic... Or Lego Jurassic World mm-hmm. from 2015. Well, the, the the game follows the plots of the series' first four films. Yeah. That, of course, includes The Lost World. Which was a brilliant game, by the way. I enjoyed it. I kind of got bored by the time I got to the Jurassic World part of the game, which is kind of weird, because that's the main part. That's like yeah, that's the, the whole point of that's it. That's the game. Yeah. Um, but I loved, I loved all the Jurassic, yeah. like the, the original three movies played out. Le- cool. Lego games are awesome. Lego, the Lord of the Rings Lego one's really good, too. just have fun. Like, it's all yeah. fun. It's good. good to play with young people too. Entertainment for hours. More recently, though, in 2018, we got Jurassic World Evolution. Yeah. And again, I only point this one out because, Ooh. well, it's a business simulation game where the player is tasked with constructing and managing their own Jurassic World theme park. But the game features the series' fictional uh, Myrtos Archipelago, yes. which includes Isla Sauna. Yeah. Um, it also includes Isla. Mantanceros, Isla yep. Murta, Isla Takano, and Isla Pina. Yeah. So, and of course the Isla Nubla, like yeah, the yeah. main. But the Isla Sun, Isla Sana from this from this film, and this film also introduces us to hmm. the five deaths. Yep. That's right. <laughs> um, Sauna's my favourite map to play on that one. That's a brilliant game. Yeah, Sauna's a good. It's a good shape. Just a good. Well, you shape. get tornadoes on Sauna, which is just ridiculous. Which is that one with the? There was that like hell dirty one. Might have been Murta. I don't know. There was one I was like, I hate this. It's small. <laughs> it's dirty. It's uh, dusty. Penner I really didn't like because it's really thin and long. It's, uh, but, um, Sauna's the best one. 
Um, so there's a you know a bunch of exhibitions and um and a live show. The Lost World: The Life and Death of Dinosaurs was released in 1997. So that was a travelling exhibition uh, produced in connection with the second film. And it had a centerpiece of a 70 foot long recreation of a Mementosaurus. Mementosaurus, I think, is the pronunciation. Just say it with confidence. Mementosaurus. If you know what that is. Well, there's one of them in the I think Jurassic it, World. I think it's like, uh, it's, like it's, it's the it's like the Brachiosaurus type looking. Yeah, movie. you see them yeah. in, the, in the game trail. <laughs> in the game trail. That's right. In this movie. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. It's all relatable. It's all relatable. Um, what else was there? There was also the Dinosaurs of Jurassic Park and the Lost World um, in 1998. Another travelling exhibition. Um, this one featured dinosaurs that were made for the first two films, as well as uh, sets and props and a video narration by the one and only Jeff Goldblum. That, that would have been amazing to see. Like, let's where, be real. Where was this stuff? No, obviously in the States. I'm going to... I mean, I probably should have, but let's... I'm going to try and uh, YouTube some stuff and see if there's anything about the, these things. I'd just love to see what was going on. Mate, let's get into let's, let's get into the movie. Yep. Let's start off with, I guess, like, the premise, the plot, even the title. We should address the title. Now, obviously, we mentioned the novel. Yes. All right. Which was inspired by uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's 1912 novel, um, The Lost World. Same title. And the various film adaptions that sort of yeah. came with it. Is it. Yeah, have you seen the original Lost World? Um, I, like, uh, I don't know if it was the original. I've seen variations of the I've Lost only, World. I've only seen one. It was black and white with clay, um, claymation. Oh, no, I think I saw No, I definitely saw a colour. I think with um, John Rhys Davis was in one. Oh, no, I haven't I seen I think it. I might have seen that one. Unless I'm making that up. Oh, my gosh. Might have just been a big dude with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, but anyway... Um, so Steven Spielberg, we mentioned that he was, you know, basically pressuring Crichton to yep. write a sequel. He mm-hmm. initially refused. Spielberg had this whole idea in his head. He already re- he already wrote a sequel in mm-hmm. his mind anyway after yeah. he had directed that first film. He believed that the sequel would involve the retrieval of a Barbasol canister that contained a di- yeah. that contained the dinosaur DNA, which was lost during the events of the first film. And, and I've been waiting for that sequel. To be honest, he he well, Jurassic Park, the game kind of answered that question. That's though. true, yeah. Which we didn't talk about. We talked about that in our Jurassic Park review, though. No, I just um, had nothing to do with The Lost World, so I didn't mention it. That's fine. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you'd see the way that they, he structured that scene in Jurassic Park. You can see that that, that was, was a... To- it was... It was, it was sequel it bait. Was, it was, yeah, it definitely if that's was. the right term. It definitely was. Otherwise, he just wouldn't have shown it. The can mm-hmm. go anywhere. What I found interesting, though, like with the, with the original novel... Isla Nubla was destroyed. Yes. So when Crichton was writing this second book, he was like, oh, shit, I've got to somehow... How do I reintroduce the dinosaur? Oh, there was a secret second on. He had to basically write that into the plot. Yeah. This movie adapts that element of there's a second island, that whole Mm. storyline, but they kind of didn't need to. Mm. The first island, as far as we were aware in the film, was still... However... Deleted scene about the board boardroom. Oh yeah. If we want, you want to talk about it now quickly, um, it is one of the one of the amazing scenes of the movie that just somehow it made it to the trailer, but not the bloody film. I don't get it. But the exposition there, they talk about the cost of over a hundred million dollars to destroy the island. Well, that's it. They they mention. So, but again, that's that's within this movie. I mean, deleted, but still within this movie. Yeah. Whereas that was written. That they had to destroy the island at the yeah. end of the first film, the island hadn't been destroyed, no. so they could have literally just been, "Hey, let's go back to that first island." Yeah, 
like the the fences are down, the dinosaurs are breeding, they're flourishing. You know, essentially yeah. the same premise, but they wanted to go for a new island. And I guess well, the thing is, the dinosaurs were breeding in the first movie. That's right? that's true. Yeah. It was all happening. So, so. it was already there. They could have just studied. But I mean, I guess by place. I guess by leaving it open, we yeah. then eventually got Jurassic World, where they went back to Nublar and did all of that. <laughs> Correct. Yes, the plot of the novel um, really centers around. The rival team, Bison, which Dodson was from. Exactly, yeah. Um, Again, I'm waiting for Bison's return. Oh, my God. Well, I'm expecting... I think Dodson's in the in the new movie. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. So we might see um, Bison making a, re, a reappearance. So the purpose of them in the novel for this, for this particular property was to go onto the island, the site B, and steal eggs. That was the... So there right. was a team of Bison guys, and they were trying to steal eggs from different species. Instead of stealing embryos from a fridge, same kind of concept. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, and in a way, we're still getting someone's trying to take dinosaurs <laughs> off the island. Yeah, like it's happening. Yeah, so the way. similarities there. The concept is to take them off site and basically showcase them elsewhere. Yeah, which is what we're doing. But if you've got InGen doing the bad stuff, not biosim, basically. Site B. So they did obviously go with. Um, you know, they, they followed the book's premise of having that second island, having that site B. Yeah. And the whole idea is, well, the, how they set it up here is there's that rich British family that yeah. stumble across the island. There's the young girl, Kathy Bowman, played by uh, Camilla, Camilla Bell. Bell. Yep. Just name drop, you know, give her a shout out. And Compies. There's the Comsognathus. Comsognathus. Oh, it's so much easier when someone so, else says it. <laughs> <laughs> but they, so yeah, they attack poor, poor little, little Kathy. And then there's, you know, they they obviously have a bit of a more of a prominent role further down the road when they they're actually attacking and eating Mr. Dita Stark. Yeah. Now the behind the scenes stuff on that is pretty incredible because he's wearing a big vest of puppets. Yeah, and, like, they're, and all, they're attached to them. Yeah, and, and they're all they're all attached to um, little hoses that are just basically air pumps, and they make them move. And, and the, yeah, the puppeteers are just pumping making them all move and stuff and then he's actually interacting with them all but even on this on this beach Beach, scene with Kathy um, for the most part they're all puppets yes I think there might be are they all puppets or is there a little bit of CGI like when you I think it's CGI on some of the uh, like the more when she drops the sandwich right yeah like they they genuinely move but when they're jumping out of the 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 bush and stuff that's all puppets on a stick but I mean like this is our first look at dinosaurs in this film yeah and it's already like this looks so good it just looks brilliant it just looks so good and I think it's it's once again like that first film that blend of mm-hmm. the close ups of puppets wider shots are CGI and it works blended together mm-hmm. it's they oh, he, he just knocks it out it does of and, the puck and so this opening scene where <laughs> poor poor Kathy cops it um, she it's a little bit it's reflected in the novel as well where um, a copy bites a girl on a beach so that's the first novel yeah the, the Jurassic Park uh, novel I think yeah the the opening yeah the opening of the there's like a well, I think isn't there like the baby in the isn't there a baby in the first movie that gets attacked no it is it is the first one because these because compies feature far more prominently in the first yeah. movie, first book um, unless there are, maybe there is a girl on the beach in the first novel either way it's from the first novel yeah. I know that much but yeah compies are getting it done yeah and we'll talk a little bit more about the compie attack later but, um, <laughs> then straight off, straight off from uh, the introduction to the island you go straight to John Hammond's ma- mansion. Um, and you get to see Lex and Tim in a cameo, which is great. But yeah. you, basically, you uh, you see a really grizzled Ian Malcolm, and he's being summoned. According I, to I do like that line. I do like that line. I've been summoned. I've been summoned. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but we'll, we will 
we'll save Jeff for... We will. We'll, cover we'll come back to Jeff. But John Hammond, like, great to see him here. He does much like... Probably not as shoehorned as um, Jeff Goldblum's appearance yeah, in, a, in, a, in Fallen Kingdom, yeah. but John Hammond, in a way, bookends this movie. He sets up the plot, he sets things in motion, and then you see him at an end delivering yeah. a bit of monologue. It's all poetic. It's fine. It's, you know, it's all good. And I love it. I think Name drops the title of the film. I love it. I think it's great. And the 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 chemistry between him and um, Malcolm is still very there, very much there. He's, he's not a well man. Mm. He's in bed. He's got the little beeping machines and stuff. And like we said, we saw Lex, Lex and Tim as well. And um, they don't really feature in the novel. I think Tim Tim's mentioned. But they were kind of thrown in there. And they were, they were actually meant to have much more of a larger role. Um, but I think it's just like... It's just that it didn't work out. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Hammond would, as a character, put his grandkids in that situation again. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was good to see him, even just as a... You know, further time from that first movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm kind of like wondering who lives in that mansion. Like, are there? I know their parents are divorced, but like, does mm. one of the parents live there? And yeah, I don't know. Oh, obviously, I it'd be they... Hammond's daughter, I suppose, or something. Well, I thought they were just visiting the granddad because the butler brings out his um, um, Tim's jacket, so it looks like they're about to leave. Oh, they might have just been going out on a day excursion. They may have. Oh, who we knows? Know. There's a Tim and Lex spin-off right there. Right. See, I want a comic about what were they doing? Why were they there? I need answers. Just get to work on it. <laughs> uh, and who else? In, in these earlier scenes, we also see in-gen representatives. So you got Peter Ludlow, who's played by... My pronunciation, pronunciation is Alice. Alice Howard. Sure. So we're going to stick with that. He's a great villain. Do you know what? And I... He's virtually rehashed in um, Fallen Kingdom. But See, I was going to make that comparison. I was trying to avoid it, but then you said it. And so I'm going to go there. I mean, Peter Ludlow is the better version of that same villain in Fallen yeah. Kingdom. Like, he, the Fallen Kingdom villain comes across as a cartoon character. Yeah. Well, this one is just, he's sniveling. He's, but like, not in a stupid way. He's yeah. just like, you know, it's about the no, Mongola. He's, he's a charismatic guy. He's like, he's all business. He's a salesman. He's yeah. trying to he's, get he's it got, done. He's got his own motivations. And so we touched a little bit earlier on the deleted boardroom scene. There is a really amazing scene that gives an amazing exposition on where InGen are at. Yeah. It's and interesting. Think, As a standalone scene, I do like it. Yeah. I understand that it's deleted. And I'm, I'm, I was... I don't. Where if you put it back in, I think all the information that you get from the boardroom scene, you get alternatively in other scenes anyway. Yeah. They mention the cover-ups, the financial issues, the the death, the fact that yeah, stuff, the death, yeah. the fact that InGen are trying to get out of you know like chapter eight, all that kind of stuff. You know, 11, getting out of bankruptcy. Yeah. Or was it chapter eleven? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm an accountant. But there's <laughs> the sheer amount that they talk about. So yeah, they say um, you know like. Ray Arnold's family got ten million dollars. It is Muldoon's nice to hear the yeah, and, yeah. It is nice to hear the yeah. name drops. And, and Naro's got like thirty million. Or they they heard. <laughs> yeah, the lawyer got the most. And then it costs a hundred million for um, what they say. Uh, oh, he labels it like it's basically cleaning fee, which is in that interpretation, destroying of the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred million dollars to kill all the animals. But because this movie, this uh, scene doesn't feature in the actual theatrical It's therefore cut, not canon. It's not canon. You can't really And all the canon. animals on Nubla still, still exist, alive. which of course we find out in Jurassic well, World. Yeah. They're so, all still there. And But if this was included in the in the theatrical, that would really put a spanner in the works for everything. Would have been... Yeah. Yep. Maybe it would have been for the better. <laughs> I don't know. I just really like the scene, though. It is a good scene. Don't get me wrong. It's a good scene. And but Alice Howard just 
But I think perfectly it, portrays the corporate. It is a good scene, dude. but I think it does drag a bit, and I think if it was inserted, it would have been uh, unnecessary exposition that we get anyway. Yeah, all of that information is elsewhere except for the name drops of the people who died, and except for Nedry, they never mention Nedry. No, but they don't know he died. As far as they know, he got off the island. Oh, ran away, they, and bailed. Yeah, yeah. They mm. could, he could just be presumed just dead, but no one ever to... knew. This movie, this movie is an environmentalist story. Yeah. Ultimately. Ultimately. I mean, I mean, it's in your face for some as of a, it, but <laughs> As a sequel, I mean, there's still the same, like, the themes of, like, uh, man playing God, mm. engineering, creating creatures, you know, where do we stand, you know, like, the, yeah. the cautionary tale with that. But at the forefront, it's now that we've created these creatures, do they have any rights? Mm. We created them, we own them. But also, it's like the other team is, well, we, you know, like they're still living, breathing creatures. Yeah. They deserve a right to live. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to mention Fallen Kingdom because I think they try and tackle the same question, but they do it in such a stupid way. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're alive like me. It's ridiculous. They deserve a right to oh, live. I was like, get out of here, clone girl. Anyway, spoilers for <laughs> <laughs> all of those. All these movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in this, but I, it think, is. I think this movie, it is, you've got the two opposing sides. Yeah. And in a way, I kind of get where each side is coming from, mm-hmm. but also see the flaws in both sides. Obviously, if they take the dinosaurs off the island, that's a stupid idea. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they created these things. They've made them. They own them. Yeah. It's a business. They are. But they he, are living, breathing creatures. Says, I mean, I, they, um, Ludlow says. Patented them. Patented them. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, like, so Malcolm says up front, he says, like, when Hammond is giving him the full brief and saying, no, nah, there's another island, this is what it is, um, and we need to protect it, we need a team to go in and have a look at it. Mm. Um, and, and Malcolm turns around and says, you've gone from capitalist to naturalist in just four years, that's yeah, really like, something. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, and it's true, it is an observation of, hang on, no, this is a, it's a different feel, you, you're looking at, you're approaching this very differently. Do they not repeat that again in Fallen Kingdom? And I, I will stop bringing that filthy movie up with the cla- character of Claire, where she was oh, yeah. businesswoman, oh, company CEO, whatever she was, to, park operations admit, manager. I have to admit, as then, far as I'm concerned... Jurassic World is Jurassic Park, and Fallen Kingdom is basically Lost World. <laughs> so, but, but just it's the same thing to but me. Just not, but with a contemporary spin on it. Yeah, um, we so will anyway. get a true sequel. I think a true worthy sequel Dominion. I hope. Uh, we'll start. We'll start bagging on Fallen Kingdom. It's really just <laughs> one Spinosaur just running around. <laughs> 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 oh god! Let's talk. Let's talk the score, score, because I think before we get into the nitty-gritty of all things, let's yeah. just give John Williams a shout-out and, and say, wow. Like, we you're love... Fan, you're a fan? I mean, we love the Jurassic Park score. Yeah. I mean, and we... I mean, again, I'm speaking for you, because I just assume... <laughs> we love John Williams, and all... Yeah. Like, you could name a John Williams score, and you, you could hum it. You'd be like, you know, John Williams score for this movie, yeah. and you could you could hammer. He just has a way of making these iconic things. With the Lost World, okay, I admit it, not as iconic. And ask Man on the Street, hum the Lost World theme, and they'd be like, Fuck, I don't know. You know what is iconic? Well, okay, so maybe not to the average Joe, but as soon as you hear those drums, oh, like we know dun, it. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's uh, so good. It's it so is. good. So, so the story's there. So I remember watching a featurette of John Williams 
uh, after you know because I had every single box set you'd probably get with Jurassic Park and all of <laughs> I did VHS DVD yeah. Blu-ray like but he did say Laziness. like they were aiming for a more tribal raw like yeah. bush not bush but like yeah jungle kind of feel and you you actually don't even hear the Jurassic Park score until the very end really like the, the start, end credits yeah well there's the bit where where Malcolm you know says to him and he you know it's like is no longer a, a research expedition; it's a rescue mission. And then he's counting one of those before. But as he yeah, does that, you hear the score. the Jurassic Park, yeah. yeah. But uh, John he, John Williams avoided. Mm. He was like, I don't want to use the previous films mm. main theme. I guess he wanted more of an action film, and I guess it's. I mean, that's what this is. The yeah. action is pumped up in this movie, and the, so the score goes with it. Yeah. And like you, you mentioned, all the jungle themes. He's using mm. congas, bongas, jungle drums, all of them. Yeah. Gourds, <laughs> like he's using gourds. Yeah, the whole the whole shebang. And he wanted a yeah a raw wild field. But you get the percussions. To. You get yeah. the percussions. What's that Disney song? What song is that one? I don't know. I think that's Sebastian from the Little Mermaid. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not see <laughs> percussions. I think that's the Kiss the Girl song. Could be wrong. Making yeah. stuff up. But yeah, fantastic. And to like a, yeah, you you said it to yeah. us. It's iconic. Yeah. To us, I can hear it. I know in in Jurassic World at the end where the the raptor runs up to uh, the Indominus Rex, you yeah. can hear the Lost yeah. World, the flavors, just there. the flavors, there, yeah. and it's just like oh, just the and it all it's almost like oh, the Lost World has become sort of like the raptor music. Um, it's it's the raptor music, but it's also the in-gen military music too. Ah, oh, true. Yeah, so they've carried um, Giacchino carries it forward, so you hear the flavors of this score in in both Jurassic World. Yeah. And a little bit of that the shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really bad. I'm not even. I'm not even going to be like, oh, don't say, don't say that. It's, no, it's really. I don't like it. Oh my god, I do not like it. But yeah, fantastic special effects. Then let's talk about the other wonderful things in this movie that the modern ones kind of drop the ball a little bit on. Well, they do, no, they don't, but there's a reason why they're not as effective, and we can talk about that if you like. But nah, maybe one day if we get to reviewing Jurassic well, World so It again. all comes down to Google, um, like, just like the YouTube things for like Jurassic Park scaling, yeah. stuff like that. It's all about camera angles and stuff like that. It's how you use and, them, the lighting, yeah. the, the, when, yeah. the when you use CGI, the when you use puppetry. Yeah. And, it's all about choice. And the new, the new ones, they're, they're, just they're doing like, things that the puppets could never do. Like, because you're seeing full fledged. Oh, for yeah. sure. And it just doesn't. It's just not as. But it's like the everything. It. Everything is a wide shot, and even the close-ups. It's like, ah, oh, CGI too. It's, yeah, it's cheaper. It's easier. Uh, but anyway, Bastards. but these effects. I mean, we should ask the question: Do they hold up? For the most part. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, there's one. There's a couple. There's, there's a couple, couple of things where it's like, oh. this movie does rely a lot more on the CGI than yeah. that first movie. But again, like this is. Let me do some maths. How many years is this? Five years. In real time, five, six, seven, four years in real time. Yeah, like it's actually in the it was written in the plot. Yeah, um, <laughs> industrial light and magic, of, of course, back. Animatronics. Yeah, they're using more CGI than animatronics, but the animatronics are still being used. We talked about the compies. You get the like. We'll go through all the dinosaurs. We'll we'll go through them after and, and yeah. go through and, and see what the thing. But this film features seventy five computer generated shots. Yeah. I will admit, as good as. A lot of them look, and they look good. Like mm. there are some shots that I'm like, oh, the lighting isn't quite right. Yeah, they're a little bit more like the stegosauruses. The stegosauruses to a point, but so well. Just before we move on, we could talk about the individual dinosaurs. Um, I've got a note here that I read when I was doing my research that 
approximately it's approximately double the amount of dinosaur screen time than the first one. It would be. Remember when we talked about so, the first one, we were like... You barely see a dinosaur. For... I mean, re- yeah, if you add it up, it's like yeah. a very, very, very tiny portion of the movie. But because mm. of how it's structured, it makes it seem like you're seeing dinosaurs all the time. Yeah. Like constantly. But it's like, no, it's really only yeah. a handful of shots. Whereas you flip it now to the modern interpretations of these movies oh, and, you get, and dinosaurs like, every second. You get a 15-minute thing of dinosaurs rampaging. Like, yeah. From a... Around. I hate that movie so much. Yeah. We need to stop. We gotta stop. Yeah, it's need. me. It's all me. I can't help it. Uh, Stegosaurus, first dinosaur we see. Um, so the adults are CG. Um, you've got here, and the baby is an animatronic. Yeah, we're, we're the baby's Sarah... name is Claire, by the way. Oh. That's on set, they call a it bit, Claire. A bit pro- prophetic? Is that a. I guess you could consider that. Is it alluding to something? I don't think so. I think Fair they just enough. called it. <laughs> or they named. They named Bryce Dallas Howard's character after that Stegosaurus baby. He could could be maybe. maybe. <laughs> so one thing I'll talk about. So you you were saying that maybe the textures of the lighting are a little bit off with um with the adult Stegosaurus. Yeah. I have to admit though that shot where it crosses in front of the sun and so the plates break the sun. Yeah. The, like the light lighting beams, just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. The first shot of them is good. I think after when there's a bit more going on, where I think when they're the, kind of when they're kind around. of swinging their tails at Sarah, it's yeah. like. Oh, it doesn't quite look good. It still looks pretty good, but it's like... oh. But you can tell there was nothing there. Especially now, you know, we've got HD, the Blu-rays, the giant yeah. screens. We're going to see those things. But yeah. I remember watching this on VHS, and I was just like, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> How did they do that? They played a real like, dinosaur. It's so real. <laughs> um, I love it. It's a great little introduction scene with those guys as well. Bit of trivia. Yeah. The baby sounds of the Stegosaurus were from Rhinos. I had no idea. Mm. But it's amazing. They did use um they did use full animatronics for the adult Stegosaurus in the Indian in the cage. cage. Yeah. And you see the same lighting trick where it, the camera pans up to its plates and there's a light like there's a light in the background that kind of cuts through it a little bit as right. well. And they're they're semi translucent, so they it's like it's like the um it's like a the Pteranodon wings at the very end. Yeah. Like they you can see them and they're translucent. But this obviously being a practical model yeah. Like those spikes or whatever. Well, they've always these plates. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. No, it's just an extra bit of detail, isn't it? Let's talk about the game trail because that's where we get a lot of the CGI and a lot of dinosaurs, a lot of new dinosaurs that we haven't yeah. seen before, only heard about or seen in the distance. Um, so you've got Gallimanus is there. Yeah, we've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen them flocking. In fact, that's a cameo for these guys because they don't really do anything other than run around everybody. Well, that's but, it. Again, we've got, we've got to point out this mostly CGI for this game yes. trail scene. I mean, there's a few shots where, but, you know, we'll, we'll go through. We mentioned the Mementiosaurus in right. that yeah, Lost World sort of exhibition thing or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So the Brachiosaurus model from the first film was altered. So, you know, they cut costs, but that's fine. I appreciate it. Well, I think they retooled a couple of, like, the T-Rex model and yeah. stuff as well. Like, but, you know, think... like, watching this, even now, I'm like, I couldn't tell the difference between a, a mm. Mementiosaurus and a Brachiosaurus or a Brontosaurus. I can. Or a... I don't even know if Brontosaurus is a real thing. It probably isn't. I don't it's know. not. It's an Apatosaurus, but it, it's the same thing. It got named twice. So anyway. The Apatosaurus the ones that are killed in Jurassic World? Yeah. Rollins? Yeah. And obviously the Brachiosaurus in the first film are the... Ones with like the 
horns like up. Funny, like weird the looking head, thing. head. Yeah, 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 good times. Um, so you got the Mementiosaurus. Cool uh, shot though with the the motorbikes through, the, through yeah. the legs. I remember watching that as again, a kid. Blew my mind. Bit of like again, minor issues with the lighting. It, it isn't quite a hundred percent, but it still looks pretty damn good. Yeah, it looks even now it looks great. Then you got the Pachycephalosaurus. So that well done with so, saying that. That had a <laughs> The next one I can't really do to be honest. But um, Pachycephalosaurus, you see an animatronic for that one, and that's. But you also see plenty of CG. That's the one that rams his head into a door. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That scene. is a different dinosaur from the Stegomolic, right? Yeah. that you see in our favourite. Same family. Film. It's the same. <laughs> same family. Right, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, shell heads. Yeah, yeah. The stiggies, the stiggies have got heaps of big spines all over them, though. But um, now the Pachycephalosaurus. That's so they've got that amazing scene where you've got a CG animal and it's interacting with a real car, and they've actually wired the car to implode on itself. Yeah, and, and they, bounce the guy through. And like they do it again later with the T Rex yeah. in San Diego against Re- the bus, in, where it's like if you see the shot, it just indents. I'm like, yeah. how? ILM are amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. Like, look oh. at this movie and look how it's been made. Like, yeah. there is so much magic happening. Yeah. And I say magic. I'm not I'm not being funny. Like, this is movie magic. It really it, is. If there. you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff on this, it's really mind-blowing. And you got um, uh, Parasolophus? So, so, um, Paras- Parasolophus? What do they call him? Elvis? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the exact reason where it's like, it's hard. We're reading. It's hard to say, um, but they used a practical power. That one. Um, they used a practical Elvis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they created one, but they never actually used it in this scene. Yeah. They actually ended up repurposing the prop as a carcass in the T Rex nest, yeah. which you see when Roland and uh, now, RJ. Now, can I throw a bit of novel trivia about this? About Elvis. So um, <laughs> they actually also made, which also features. At the raptor nest, they made another carcass of it that was meant to be pulled up by a Japanese fishing boat. Oh right, yes, and that's yeah. that was meant to be the opening scene was the Japanese like cargo like fishing boat pulling up this dead dinosaur and going, mm. "What is this?" Yeah, like this and then Ingen appearing and taking it off them. This ain't dolphin. In the novel, <laughs> in the novel, it's um, a Carnosaurus actually washes up on the beach, which has got um, a chame- chameleon like photoreceptors in its skin. And that, that plays into the, the novel itself later. Right. But they engine appear and they burn it on the beach and like tourists see it and they don't know quite what's going on. Oh, like they're, they're cleaning up their mess. Yeah. So a little bit of, tri- of trivia. See, I like that. But they that. did create a, another like model that for that for books. this one. I like that about the books where it was like things were washing up. Yeah. Like dead dinosaur dead bodies. Dinosaurs and washing up and Costa Rica. Fishermen were catching things. Yeah. Dinosaurs were like getting loose but not getting too far, you know. They yeah. were they were getting to like Costa Rica and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, hurting babies in their cribs. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's like, oh, this is messy. We've got to fix this. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, and then last but not least, we've got Triceratops. Um, so it was CGI during the breakout scene. You don't see it on the game trail. But during the breakout scene, it's CG. You, you do except see, except for when it's in the cage. I think you do. No, you do see them on the game trail. There's a couple of CGI oh, I shots. I don't remember. They seeing don't. It. They don't really catch them or anything. You see it mainly at the camp later when they're all yeah sort of caught. Yeah, well, and and when he's he the Triceratops is the thing that runs into the van and everything like that. You know that shot where the like, like that truck like is in the air. Yeah, like was that a Triceratops that flicks it? Like, how does that... That got so much air, I don't understand. I'm not sure if we're at 
a point in my life where I want to be bagging out on this movie, but <laughs> that, that is that's one of two moments that I'm not a fan of in this movie. Yeah. And we'll talk about the other one later. But guess what, Jason? I think after almost 50 minutes of blabbing, it's time for an ad break. I think so. And then we come back and we get to talk about Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God, yes. <gasps> we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. Jeff Goldblum. The man. The man. <laughs> the man. He's in it. <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah. Now, he's back. Now, he... Obviously, in that first film, he was... He has a deplorable personality. He's a, <laughs> he's a menace to society with his charm. Yep. Yeah, some of them are scientists. Some of them are rock stars. I mean, one of the most notable things in this film is that Jeff Goldblum is doing something different here. Yes. To an extent where people say he has a personality change. And I would agree. I agree to an extent. If you compare him to Ian Malcolm on the helicopter in Jurassic Park, if you compare him to yes. Ian Malcolm at the, you know, when they're when they're having lunch, yeah. Once Ian Malcolm is injured. Ta- injured, and he's lying on that table in the bunker, he is this guy. He is this guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's then traumatized. Like he, when shit gets serious, he's like, okay, there's no time for my. Deplorable personality. Now I'm just going to be a miserable guy. Yeah, so and that's fine. <laughs> so, the, but there is the extra like layer with this one where he, but through, through all the exposition in the mansion, you hear that he's lost. So, you see the guy on the train, and they it recognizes he recognizes his him. career. His career's all gone under because his he, reputation. Yeah, because yeah. he signed a disclosure agreement. Yep. Or do not disclose whatever the, whatever it's, it's called. called. You can't. Talk. And then he he betrayed that, and so Ingen embarrassed him and did all that. So that's all all given in the first couple of scenes. You find out that he's a little bit washed up, and a bit of a hack. Yep. Um, he's but got that's a how he's being portrayed. I mean, he's got a permanent injury to his leg, which does carry over into this yeah. film. You see when he walks, he a couple of times he has to sit down and limps make, a little bit. Yeah. You know, his 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 tall man swagger is a little bit. Mm. A little bit jarred. Yeah. So he's definitely not the same one that you meet on the helicopter at the start of the first movie. But he is... I agree. I, th- I think he... He transforms in that one. And this is just a product of all of that. Even though the personality is different, I think it's carried over from the personality change you see in that first movie. And also, he is the same character, just evolved or damaged or hurt. And... Damaged. In the situation, you know, like... I mean, let's look at his motivations for going to the island again mm. or going to this new this new island... And then in the situation he's in, not only is he pissed off because he has to basically go retrieve his girlfriend from this stupid yeah. situation she's got herself in, but then his daughter's there as well. So now yeah. suddenly it's two people he cares about. He's in this shit situation. He knows what's up. He's the, he wants to get them out. There's no time for, you know, suave... Yeah. He's not there chatting up Laura Dern. And he's also... He's, he's, he's there the, getting his loved ones off this stupid He is the way. only one. Even though so, even though people... Like, so his, his daughter and I dare say Sarah and a few other people believe him. Mm. He still is the only one out of all of them who's lived exactly what they're going through. Yeah. And has warned them all and told them all. And so now his humour is more about being dry and more like, I told you so. There is still a lot of humour and it mainly comes from him. The first act is 
freaking hilarious. <laughs> so it really. I is. mean, they're, they're like all these lines, and people say like this movie for some reason is more funny, and it's like yeah, but it's not like the characters are doing funny things. It's Jeff Goldblum's and p- pretty much just his lines. Yeah. That drive that that is yeah, the humor. and everyone reacts to them, and, and then everything yeah. else is straight, and yeah. I think that works. Yeah, like ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. starts. Yeah, oh. like I really like so when they're in the workshop and you're starting to be introduced to some of the other characters, which we'll talk about in a second. But all of the dialogue there, he's the kind of guy he he comes in short notice, walks around, and he basically is owning the shop. Him and Eddie are walking around. Yeah, but. He talks about the Caribbean biting height for things and talks about Greenpeace being full of women and, oh, that's a noble choice. And, like, yeah. just all these little, he just specs little sarcastic things everywhere. Oh, and then the whole conversation yeah. with Kelly, up, you know, upstairs when yeah, where he's, he's just, like, you know, he's talking about his, one of his ex yeah. misses yeah. and all that. Like every, and every he says, just don't listen to me. And so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just great. But where it's we're going is one of the only places where the geese chase you. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he, he's warning them. He's like, we shouldn't be going. This is stupid. And I'm going to point this out every single time mm. that, uh, you know, everyone questions where we're going or what we're doing. Like, I'm going to yeah. point it out. I know I have to go for this reason, yeah. but it's dumb, but I'm yeah. here. So I, And that's how he's reacting to it. Yeah. I like it. Mm. I really like the character. And, yeah, we're not getting weird laugh Jeff in like on a helicopter <laughs> yeah but that character essentially died <laughs> like oh, yeah. that character essentially died when the T-Rex knocked him out and you know what's interesting in the novel uh, he is that a little bit more jovial right weird kind of thing he doesn't have this kind of darkness about him and he still has the injury in fact he even gets injured in the in the novel and he has to take drugs and he starts he at one point, is he, he drugged he, up? Isn't he? Like, isn't he drugged like up? Loopy? He's drugged yeah. up for much, but he's also drugged up in the first novel too. Like, he's laying in a bed watching a raptor trying to break through the roof. Like in, in one of the scenes You're in the right, novel, yeah. like he's always drugged up. So, so the character <laughs> in Malcolm on drugs, it's just it's the same but different. <laughs> the character transition's not really there. It is it, he, yeah. Whereas here, what we get to see is somebody go from a very positive perspective yeah. to. Quite a realistic. Every time I question his new personality, I'm like, I always remember when he's lying on that table with John Hammond, not together, yeah. but, and you know he's got the the walkie-talkie and he's talking to Ellie about you know following the pipes and stuff, yeah. and he's you know he's grisly, he's quiet, yeah. he's he's a new person there already. Yeah. So it's like it's can it it tracks it tracks. Mm. His motivations are obviously because you know it's about how do we get this one character back to the island. Yeah. This works. This fine. This works. Dr. Sarah Harding is yeah. uh, played by Julie Moore, as we said. Yeah. Um, so he's she's the girlfriend of Ian, or one yeah. of the you know the current girlfriend. Yeah. There's a whole backstory with her having like helped him recover and stuff. Yeah. You know, like she went to Nubla and mm. well, not Nubla, but went Costa to Rica. Costa Rica to yeah. check him out in the hospital and yeah. I guess do a bit of work for herself. <laughs> and mm. Ask some questions. Are these real? Like, what's going on? Um, in the novel, though, they're actually. Former partners. Well, they were former partners, yeah, but they remained platonic friends. Yeah. This one, obviously, they're just full on. You know, they're together. They're together. They're in a relationship. It's all good. I want to ask this question to you. Do you like the Sarah Harding character? I like her more in the book than I like her here in this movie. Because she's an idiot. (laughs) Do you think she's a bit of a... Is she a hypocrite as much in the book? No, not really. She's pretty independent. But in this movie, she's a bit of a hypocrite. I think so. And full of Which contradictions. Is pretty dumb. And, pretty dumb. Yeah. She does very stupid shit. The first time we meet her, she's all about 
not interfering, covering yeah. your you know your tracks, your smells. Yeah. Uh, and then she's walking around with T Rex blood, blood all her. over. Yeah. Oh, ridiculous! She even has a conversation on the on the like the nasal or the smell, like how good a T Rex exactly. Can smell, yeah, like... and yet she still walks around with blood on her. Like there's there's a few there's just different things. There's... Like don't interfere, and yet the very first thing and one of the funniest lines that um, Jeff Goldblum says is she can't not touch. She can't. Yeah, not. exactly. Because and she's interfering with everything. He even, I mean, he mentions that I can't remember the the theory or whatever it is, but it's like anything you study changes. Yeah. Because you you've interfered. Yeah, and she goes, oh, I don't care, man. She's like, but then five seconds later, it's like. We gotta cover all our tracks. Yeah, we gotta put this not fire out with dirt and all this stuff. Like, yeah, don't so, that cigarette. So she's a little bit of a hypocrite. Um, I still love her. I think she's great, but, but I just do. dumb. She, Some of the decisions she makes are pretty silly. I feel like you know, like you've got the two camps. Obviously, you've got you know you know, our guys here, but then you've also got Ingen and stuff. Yeah, and it's like I feel like our guys make more mistakes. Yeah, well, they are responsible for killing lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Kelly, who ultimately saves the day. Um, uh, is the only one not to make a mistake. <laughs> I can't, I can't keep that up. Oh God. Um, so Vanessa Lee Chester, God bless her. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. Now this character, she's a she's actually a combination of the two characters, Kelly and Arby, from yep. the novel. Yeah. Kelly was intended to be in this movie. Malcolm, one of Malcolm's students. Yeah, and a bit older than what she is here. Bit older, yeah. Whereas Arby is the right age. Yeah, and I think, isn't Arby the black character in the book? Yeah, so they've changed changed, um, race as well. Yeah, so oh, they blended them. It's fine. It's <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there isn't, literally... there isn't, there isn't an alternative, is it? Like, yeah. So yeah. she, 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 she's black herself, but Arby is dev- is black. And... Well, I think when they when they wrote the character, and I don't know what came first, was it casting or, or whatnot, and they made the decision, let's make her Malcolm's daughter. Yeah, and they were like, oh, will the fact that she be black be an issue or confusing? Well, like, Do we need to address it? I mean, they no, don't address it. They don't. They just say that the mum ran off to Paris. Yeah. So. Could be anybody, and but I mean, real world trivia. Spielberg has two adopted black kids, hmm. so I mean, I mean, it legit is not. They a... do address it though because they Nick turns no Eddie turns to Nick. They and do, says, yeah. Says, do you see any family resemblance? He's like, like a tiny <laughs> bit. I mean, not really, not really. It's there, <laughs> but I mean, is she adopted or is she, like is her mum black and that's how she's come out? Like, is she a bit of is she a little well, bit Jeff? You Goldblum? learn you learn from the very well. I'm I'm my thought is that she's a bit of Jeff Goldblum because he um he was he was always looking for ex Mrs Malcolm. Well, that's it. And so always seeing a new he, person. Got three he, kids. Didn't he say yeah, he had some kids? Yeah, he's got three. Oh, so kids. I'm sure he planted his seed. The so, saucy minx. So I think yeah, I think exactly <laughs> as as the exposition says is the the mum has abandoned her Kelly. Um, so Kelly is now being looked after by Ian. All right. Now, as far as whenever we talk so, kids in a movie, yeah. now I like to praise Jurassic Park for having two of the most unannoying, likable kids in a movie. Yeah. I like. It's one of the examples where I'm like, kids can be good. Yeah. Now Kelly is fine. She's not the most annoying, but I don't really like her character. I mean, it's nothing personal. I disagree with you because I actually like her. I just don't like what she does. That's all. <laughs> what 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 are you talking about? What are you what's, what what one specific thing are you are you are you not liking? So she's apparently a pretty talented gymnast, but she got cut from the team. Apparently, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, all lies. Allegedly, um, she wanted sympathy. So I said at the top that I there's two two things I don't like about this movie, and the gymnastic one is the one that stands out. Above I mean, yours. 
It is only, in the grand scheme of things, like 10 seconds of film. Yeah. Like, it's it's a very minor portion. And there's a good payoff with, you know, Jeff Goldblum's like, the school cut you from the team? Like, it, <laughs> it's a funny payoff there. But, I mean, that whole raptor scene, which we'll, we will get to, is a little bit... Like, like, a, like a sketch show, there's all things well, it going just doesn't, on. It doesn't fit. It doesn't... The it doesn't threat f- isn't there, because, yeah. yeah, there's just... They're, they're, Bouncing off buildings and falling and stuff, and no one's yeah. hurt. And Kelly's doing her gymnastics and kicking, kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a sore spot for the movie. It's mm. definitely, it's definitely a low point for the franchise at the time, until the talking raptor. But that's for another time. Alan, Alan. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Kelly's responsible for one of the things I don't like about this movie, unfortunately. Yeah, so. it is what it is. Yep, but she's fine. She's fine. I mean, and she's a very... Um, Vanessa Lee Chester is a very talented actress. Has she done stuff after? Are you familiar with her and other stuff? Or? Um, no, I'm just talking about her performance here. And, oh, fair uh, enough. In, in her earlier stuff. Cause there's a, a, there is a bit of, like... There's emotion to a relationship with her and her dad. You know, like the... Yeah. You know, like, you never keep your word, you know, like... Yeah. And then his connection to her is, is, you know, like, goddess, my inspiration, queen goddess, my Yeah, like, he, he loves her so much. Yeah. And she's such a... But it's like, he, 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 I guess he, we're left to assume that he hasn't proved that to her. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's stuff there, there's work to be done. Hmm. But then she does stupid things like carry me and it's like, are you joking? Yeah, dude's got a broken leg. you got a leg. bong leg and you're yeah. like, you're like 80 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't let's, know if let's stop, that much. Let's, let's, let's stop the Kelly bashing. Let's move on. Let's, let's move bash on. some Nick Van Owen. Yeah. A bit of Vince Now, Leo. So he's not in a novel. He is classified as the earth first bastard. <laughs> he's the everyman. That's right. Um, well, I mean, everyman to an extent, but yeah, he's he's not a scientist or anything like that. He's a photographer. He's a photographer. You know, yeah. he's out in the wild. Field he's, photographer. He's, he's doing stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Nobel Prize kind of go getter. This is this is old school skinny Vince Vaughn, you know, like from yeah. What's that movie that he was in? Was it Swingers? Something like that, yeah. With um, I can't remember. Five, uh, yeah, there's no But a little bit of trivia: that movie that we're trying to figure with out with John Favreau. Yeah, I think so. He is Swingers. That's, that's <laughs> the movie. Whatever it is, that movie. Uh, Spielberg saw him in that. Oh right, and, and was, I mean, well, was, it, was impressed, by, and that's one of the reasons why Vince Vaughn is in this movie. Same period yeah. makes sense. My question to yes. you: oh, I've got these questions about these characters. Is Vince Vaughn the secret villain of this movie? No, Ludlow's the villain. <laughs> no, but, the is, but is he the secret villain? Remember, I said there's you know there's two sides to the argument within the, the story of this film. You could consider him that, and his actions directly lead to multiple people dying. I mean, yeah. So he... And... If, and, and... If Ingen were left... It's a successful mission for him. <laughs> so he could be a villain. He could be. You know... He's a nice guy. People, you know, there's, there is there is that one stigma about environmentalists and activists, you know, like, what is too far, you yeah. know, like to prove a point or to get do what they believe is the right thing, have they gone too far? Yeah. And the best villains are the ones that think they're right. Mm. If he is a secret villain, he's a pretty good one because... He, but he never gets that sort of, you've done wrong. He leaves this movie before the third act and he leaves this movie as a hero, like, calls for help, you know, like, and he never gets I any mean, sort of comeuppance. He does hear heroic things, but he also is responsible for not killing the T-Rex and that T-Rex surviving, yeah. and then that T-Rex eats people. 
he lets he lets loose all of the the herbivores on the Injun camp, yep. like destroying their camp, destroying their communications, their way of getting off the island, probably injuring a whole number, which we never... Well, everyone yep. was intact, they said. They were fine. Yep. He brings the, the T-Rex, the T-Rex back, baby T-Rex, to the trailers. Although Sarah also says we shouldn't do this and then does it anyway. He, but she's a hypocrite. We've covered that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he effectively causes the, the trashing of the trailers yep. and all of that and their communication and Eddie's, Eddie's death. Yeah, he removes the the bullets from Roland's gun. From Roland's gun, so which stops him, which leads to multiple deaths again as well. Um, leads to the T Rex instead being tranquilized by Roland and therefore being able to be taken to San Diego. To San Diego. So San Diego causing would not the death of David Kep yep. outside Blockbuster or Correct. wherever it was. One of them ones. I don't know. I think the bus goes through Blockbuster. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't. So, there you go. Yeah, so maybe he is a villain. Maybe he's an unintentional villain. If InGen were left to their own devices, could they have successfully, much like in Jurassic World, mm. could they have successfully opened a, an attraction, a theme park... Jurassic Park San Diego. In San Diego, successfully without injury. Without... Maybe possibly. Possibly. We will never know. <sighs> Because of Vince Vaughn, so, yeah, Earth. Nick Van Owen, bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, Nick Van Owen is um, not in the novel. Eddie Carr is, but the way the personalities are, Eddie Carr in the novel is more of a Nick Van Owen, okay. like a go go getter kind of guy. So, right. but anyway, let's talk the the InGen harvesters. Yeah, led by Mr. Roland Tembo, who's played by Pete Postlewaite. Postlewaite. I always get mixed up with his name. No one can say it. It's fine. R.O.P. Yeah, again, another another actor, mm. another fine actor that we that we lost. I think it's, it's been a few years, hasn't it, since yeah. he since he died? But yeah, fantastic role in this. Every scene, he's doing something cool. Um, another character, though, not in the novel. Correct. Now his motivation, uh, I guess, to to come to the island is all about being able to hunt. A buck. A, a buck T-Rex, the male T-Rex. Mm-hmm. He, he says one of the greatest predators now to be alive. Um, I like, I like that. He, he's kind of like, I want to do that. We're not. We are refused to pr- um, promote hunting. Well, tra- no, but I mean, trophy hunting. <laughs> but I mean, that's again like the. No, no, I get it. I understand it. Compared to Nick Van Owen's, you know, like the environmentalist thing, he's, I guess, the opposite. Not on a corporate side, but on a. Oh no! I should be able to, you know, like I want to hunt. It's a sport. It's his thing. I'm yeah. not. All, I'm not for it. But I mean, mm. people do it. They yeah. like doing it. And it's he what... is. He is from Kenya. Yeah, sure. Um, and it is very much part of the culture. So, so you can understand his motivations. At the end of the day, though, even if you don't agree with him, I mean, you're allowed to disagree with characters. Absolutely fine. He has a moral code. He does. And he he also has like I guess like a respect for women. Yeah. Um. You know, like when when uh, Sarah's Dita Dita Stark goes missing, and he's like, "No one tells the little girl." Yeah. You know, like make sure Kelly doesn't find out. Essentially, that's what he's saying. Yeah. He checks in on Sarah, make sure, like, "Oh, is she hurt? Is that her blood?" Yeah. If he was smart, he would have been like, "Wow." <laughs> yes, but he's not, and it's proven that he doesn't even know what these dinosaurs are. He just knows that a T Rex, and, and and to be honest, he just he, sees a trophy. If he if he if he used his brain, he'd probably be hunting the female T-Rex, not the male T-Rex, because the, the female's, female's bigger. bigger. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But still, 
It doesn't matter. They it doesn't matter. Theme park monsters. They are indeed. They, yeah, so he does, <laughs> does have a moral code, and and that's also you see that in uh, the deleted scene between him and his mate RJ AJ, played by Harvey Jason. Yeah. Um, and that's you know a recap of that scene is them AJ coming to Roland to say, well, "I've got this good gig. Yeah. I think you're really going to like it." It's um, and they end up by defending. Um, a waitress. Much like the deleted scene, the boardroom scene, I yeah. like this scene as well. Um, oh my God, I thought it was too slow. It is, it is a bit slow. It is a bit, probably a bit too drawn out. But I suppose they could have just had him and RJ sort of meeting yeah. and then RJ just telling him what's going on yeah. without having the, the drunk the drunk assholes and yeah. the defending the waitress and the yeah. <laughs> bloody getting I could like tying up one arm and fighting that dude like it, it, it was a bit much yeah I reckon they could have had portions of it and it would have been like a a callback to I guess when um, Dodgson and Nedry yeah. met at a sort of I actually read that Spielberg chose one of the reasons why he chose not to do this because it was that it was, was it, it would have felt like a very much a rehash of the first oh, I don't know one. but I think I would have been like there would have been a charm to it yeah, it would have been like oh, there's one element where it's like you know, but I I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. The other reason why I think they should have kept the scene though, or at least a portion of it, is because RJ's character is actually introduced to us. Yeah. In a way, he's kind of only mentioned by name by um by Roland throughout the film, mm. and then he's in very much. He barely has any scenes. Or any scenes of substance. He's there, he's not yeah. saying much, but I think just introducing him in this context with Roland yeah. sets up their friendship, it sets up just his character. His character yeah. just becomes yeah. more, yeah. just by one extra scene. Yeah. Um, so I think that would have been important. But, I mean, you can check out the deleted scene and you get that. Yeah, it's on YouTube, guys. You can check it out. Yeah, because yeah, most of um, RJ's... Uh, he's pretty much non-verbal for the rest of the yeah, movie. Yeah, until it's... Uh, yeah, grass. Don't go into the long grass. And when Roland comes back from Dieter Stark's death. So, yeah. and coincidentally, it's our next character is Dieter Stark. Yeah. Peter Stormout. God, he's good. I, li- I-, I like him in everything I've seen him in. He usually plays as a Russian or something like that. That's true. Yeah. He's, he's like kind Armageddon of doing... when he's like the Cosmonaut. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, doing like... some sort of accent. He is, yeah, isn't I'm, he? I'm not sure exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It's like he didn't go full Russian, but it's something. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, Dita. I don't know what that. That's, that's uh, indicative. Let's of, just make assumptions and be like, yeah, that's kind of Russian. Yeah, he's Russian. <laughs> he's totally Russian. Um, but so he's great. He's the two I see to roll. Um, and he, he basically all of the the, the camp crumbling around them when. <laughs> your so-called villain lets everybody well, yeah, out. yeah. Um, it's not even it's gets not blamed even, gets blamed on him. It's not even his fault. <laughs> it's not even his bloody fault. But he it's, looks shocked. He it's looks Nick's so fault. He looks so shocked. He's an asshole. But um, <laughs> but Dita he, earlier on he sees a, a compi and he electrocutes it. Yeah. Um, like so instantly we're like okay we don't like this guy. Yeah, we don't like because he's, he's a dick to compies. <laughs> so you do find out very early that he's not a nice guy. But he's a uh, and then it just so happens that I mean I'm assuming it's the same compi. Because I want to make a joke about him getting his comeuppance by compies. There's something there. Compumpance? Compumpance? There's something there. Pretend I said it and it was funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, yeah, he he electrocutes a compie and then I believe it's the same compie scares him later when he's off having a I mean, I doubt it. No, but he goes goes to electrocute it again and it jumps away. But anyway, uh, the the death scene. So the death scene. Pretty cool death scene. It's a great death scene. It's a throwback to the opening scene of the movie uh, where the girl was attacked. You actually get to see what 
that looks like. Yeah. Um, but she was, she was fine. She was fine. She was fine. She was fine. Um, <laughs> she was okay. But she, but so he, uh, yeah. And, and they achieve it really. They just, we, we talked about it at the top. They, he had a million puppets all over him. And they compies, so compies, if you haven't seen the bloody movie for some stupid reason, are the little green things. Like, oh, I'm assuming. You know when the, everyone knows what we're talking about. When Kathy at the start of the movie says, are you some sort of bird or something? I'm like, they don't bloody look like birds. However, when they're ganging up on Dita, they're I'm like, chickens. I'm chickens. like, yeah, they're like little birds. Yeah. And birds are scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, but he, he eventually... Uh, it's like a they, six-inch turkey. They, they attack him a couple of times, <laughs> and he gets weaker and weaker, and then he falls over a log. A six-foot... It's a one-foot turkey. No, it's a six-inch turkey. <laughs> it's very small. Um, have you... <laughs> Jurassic World Evolution, have you got Have you got the Jurassic Park? The compy... Um, I did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. There's, there, you, get, you can get like That'll 25 worse. of them. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they're, the worst, they're really, really man. shit. Anyway, um... So the throw a shout a just a throwback to the novel, um, the first novel, uh, when ha- Hammond gets eaten by, by these compies. Yeah, very but, much inspired by that. Now, if you've read the book, you'll understand as well. Compies apparently have got some kind of poison or um, anaesthetic, oh. and so it weakens the animal, and that's why. And that I think is implied here because he's a strong man, and he gets attacked once, and then he gets a bit. Druggy, and he gets oh, a bit progressively yeah, weaker. He, he throws them off. Yeah, and then and they then... wait, and they just hop behind him. Oh wow! Yeah, because they're poisonous. Oh. So, and likewise in the novel, I love uh, it. The girl who gets bitten has a, a re- reaction to that one bite because they're they've got a venom of some kind. Right. So nice little tid- tidbit. About I like that. that. We should talk dinosaurs more. I did yeah, not know yeah. that. I would just assume. Oh, I don't know if that's real dinosaurs or this oh, is well, I mean... stuff. But... <laughs> no, but that's cool because I was assuming, yeah, they do kind of get on him a few times and he shakes them off, but then eventually they just kind of... And when he jumps over the log or whatever that thing is and they, you know, you know they pounce on him and, yeah. and it's like, why are they getting it done? Why is he not? And it's like, obviously, he must be paralyzed or yeah, something. Yeah, because he's just getting drugged up. Same to like the whole spitting thing from Ned, like Nedry. Yeah. It's like it just screwed him up. And yeah, away you go. Um, who else we got? Dr. Robert Burke, played by Thomas F. Duffy. So he's actually based on a real paleontologist. Is he the Jack Horner? Uh, yes. Yeah. I think it's no, it's Jack Horner or, Jack, or it's Jack Horner's. No, he's based Jack on. Jack Horner's um, rival, Robert, Robert Burke. Robert. No, not Robert Burke. Um, Robert. I can't remember. Robert Backer. Is that who it is? Yeah, yeah cool. like Tim's book that he reads in that first movie, based on the book by Backer. Yeah, by Robert Tim, Backer. Yeah. So who was yeah a real paleontologist? Oh, you've written it here. <laughs> I did. It was in the notes. You're trying uh, to pull knowledge from your brain. That's like we've got notes. Yeah. we've got notes. It's so he di- he dies because he they get chased into a waterfall. Fantastic scene, by the way. Um, which was like you've written here in your notes, Jason. No, that is inspired by the first novel, and they do have a waterfall incident in the first novel, but um. He, yeah, a snake gets him, which is a coral snake, but it's the non-poisonous type. So no, you two, two no, you know you didn't. know Just, I just know. So, um, coral snakes have got the the red, white, and what black a weird stripes. thing to know. And you get fake coral snakes, and you get real ones. Do we have them in Australia? Is that no? It's a, oh, I think it's a truck, like a I was like, Caribbean. Is this, is this like your country stuff? country knowledge? No, 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 no. All right, fair enough. But anyway, yeah. So the snake goes it in looks his jacket. Yeah, and then he gets eaten. But what a cool, I mean, cool scene. That whole waterfall. Thing with the Rex and it's yeah. coming in and it's like he's licking everyone. That's yeah. weird. It is weird. And then when he pull, he gets pulled up and it's like the streams of blood. It's yeah, but like, the, the sound it sounds like he's being like 
folded in half. It's like as if oh, he's it's, being it's like been a crunch, like, like a paper cup. Yeah. Like he's, oh, he's gone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So there, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Robert Perk. The biggest character in this movie. Yeah. He's LaSauna. Yeah, absolutely. I like when we when we say islands are characters. It's good. No, but I mean, yeah. this one definitely is. So this was um, filming um, took place primarily in California. Um, and then there was a shoot in Kauai, in Hawaii. Similar to the first film. Yep. That's a lot of the first one was but, shot there, I think. But yeah, the Redwood Forest of Eureka in California, which is the same place. Um, I don't think you've got it here in your notes, but that's the same place that they filmed the uh, Ewoks and stuff in Return of the Jedi. Oh, right, with the, um, the, the Stormtroopers on the speeders. Yeah. yeah. So all those Redwoods in, in All California. the same. Isn't that interesting? And I think they're revisiting the Redwoods again in Jurassic World Dominion unless I've well, made that up it looked like Battle of Big Rock oh, it was okay. set in a similar kind of space to that so well it's in it's in California they can drive there and film it's just yeah. easy for them there you go no passports needed not that you need a passport to Hawaii what am I saying we do they don't correct anyway not that we can travel anywhere right now um, so Spielberg worked <laughs> with Yanis uh, Kaminsky previously on Schindler's List and who gave the film a bit of a darker more artistic look over its predecessor. I could agree with that. I mean, if you look as, as, as a whole, look yeah. at that first Jurassic film. It's like, yeah, there are, I mean, there are dark scenes and stuff, you know, the nighttime scenes. But overall, it's like, it's, it's all bright, it's yeah. shiny, you know, it's... it's. Whereas this is very much a gritty... Where it's like, it's dark. Even the film, like, is... Like, mm. I don't, when I say the film, I mean, like, the, the film, like, the actual physical film, yeah. is... There's almost like... The a dark time. There's a grain to it. There's yeah. a... It is dark from like, you know, the Hammond's Mansion on the yeah. subway. You know, it's like a gritty, gross subway. Yeah. It's, yeah, the everything rain about. And the mud that comes with the T Rex. The island like. is darker, the forest, the trees. Yeah. It's not like that lush jungle feeling, which pisses me off. Where Jurassic Park 3, they go back to Isla Sauna. And it's all. And it's all like, hey, it looks like bright green Isla yeah. Nublar. And I'm like, you just missed the point, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you just missed the point. Bloody Jurassic Park 3. We'll, we'll do that soon. <laughs> next year. Next year. Before Dominion. And then we'll have complete. <laughs> well, we've completed the circle. Well, what's next? Should we talk about some of these scenes? Yeah. Some of these. These are some of these, these are standouts. That's what we're stand-outs. basically doing. The vehicle attack. As yeah. a staple of the Jurassic franchise is always... Uh, a vehicle has to be bitten I mean, by pretty much, a yeah. big theropod. Yeah. <laughs> a big theropod. But of course, the, the, like, the vehicle attack, the, the trailer attack... We've got the T-Rex attacking the trailers, which is f- phenomenal. Two T-Rexes this time. Yes. A mummy and a daddy. Yeah. Mummy's very angry. You've got, you got the redesigned um, male T-Rex. So, yeah. So I was reading through production notes saying they had to do uh, male versions of the, like all the dinosaurs, really, but in particular the raptors and the T-Rex. Mm. And so they gave them much more colour um, than their female versions. Um, because in the generally in the animal kingdom, the um, the males are usually the more flamboyant or the more colourful. Oh, right. So that's why the male T Rex has got like stripes on his nose and all that. But if you look really closely, it's really interesting. The attention to detail. He's got cuts and stuff all over him, and that apparently is indicative. If you read into it, what they were trying to portray is that they are not the only T Rexes on the island, ah. and, they, and he would have had to have fought. For dominance. For dominance to to mate. I like that. So, interesting. Because you do wonder whether or not there are... How many many there could be. Well, if they started breeding, then, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least started with two. Yeah. Well, it's only been four years, so... But they, like, yeah. 
But anyway, so <laughs> they were the only two. It's a nice little tidbit that I, I learned about the uh, the artistic design of the T Rex, the male T Rex. Yeah, well, they repurposed yeah. they repurposed the animatronic from Jurassic Park. Yep, um, and they built a second one mm-hmm. uh, for the second T Rex. Basically, just the the head to the mid body, and then when you get those wider shots again, you get the CGI for the full body. Lady buggers. Those shots in the trailer, like just oh, just amazing. Just oh. like with the. The T-Rex head coming by, yeah. like, the, the designs of the trailers are cool. They use the 97 Fleetwood Fleetwood Southwind Storm RV and Mercedes-Benz W163. Did you know yes. that the, w, the Mercedes-Benz, those those cars, they made doubles of each one? So, and they made them identical. Oh. So, there's two of each. So, so That's there's good. two Just cars. Just so they could trash them. Well, they do trash them. So. <laughs> um, but uh, the uh, apparently the production notes also say that the uh, the puppeteers had the most fun trashing the trailers because the T Rex heads were really hitting the side. Of it. <laughs> like, you know, like when it. you see it smashed the yeah. window and stuff, that it's would have been real. good fun. Well, they built a whole mountainside yep. for that scene um, in Universal's parking garage, um, mm-hmm. and they dangled the the trailer yep. using a ninety five ton crane or something so yeah. very cool stuff one thing I, I want to point out I guess now we're talking about this is this movie has a lot of suspenseful mm. um, moments and I'm going to say it when Sarah Harding falls when Julie Moore falls onto the glass window oh, of the trailer and it's how brilliant one of the most suspenseful moments in cinematic history I'm yeah. saying it right now yeah. holy shit even today reach, Nick's yeah. reaching for the satellite phone mm. um, Ian's crawling down trying to get to her yep that's, and she's saved by the lucky pack your lucky pack oh, but it man. is it all just I mean that's just it's just testament to Spielberg's skill when, and, and when framing a scene and putting it together. the best moments in the movie about dinosaurs isn't even the dinosaur dinosaurs. Shot. I mean, the yeah. dinosaurs caused that scene, but or Nick yeah. did. But um, yeah. the dinosaurs caused that havoc. Yeah. But it's like, what are we tense about? We're tense about her on this glass that's about to crack and she's going to fall to her death. Yeah. And there's that heavy phone that's going to drop. They need it for communication, but also it's going to smash the glass. It's like, they, oh my God. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's their only means of communication. And then you've also got the pace that's built and the tension built of Eddie while he's going through his stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. But first, you want to talk about why the T Rex has attack the uh, thing in the first place. And that's because stupid. Van Owen, <laughs> stupid Van Owen, um, and Harding, both Dick of Van it. Owen, Dick Van Owen, <laughs> bring a T Rex, an injured baby T Rex that was being used as bait, and bring him, bring him into the trailer, and they try to fix him. Now this is in the novel, yeah, well a version of it, including the chewing gum on the plaster yeah. and stuff, which is kind of nice little nod. I don't know about the blood and all the rest, so I don't think that features any, anything. But um, yeah, but they do they do fix a, a baby T Rex in the in the novel. Um, so the, the T-Rex itself, so there's two different uh, animat- animatronic versions, a fully contained remote remote controlled version that the actors could carry, and then a hybrid that um, is both on whole hydraulics and cables, which were kind of laid on the table. But you do very much see, like multiple times in this movie, them pick it up, baby T-Rex, and it's wiggling around yeah, in, you know in there. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. Looks good. I love it. I like it. I don't know what sounds it would have made because all of that would have been done in the foley at the end. Right? They used they used a baby camel crying for its mother. The sick bastards. Whoa. At least part of it, yeah. Like, um, um, oh, it's so cool that sound. But I have to say, like, 
one of my favorite things about all of the Jurassic movies, doesn't matter which one, is like the foley design in all of them yeah. to create all of the different sounds of the dinosaurs, animals that we've never heard of. They must have had a ball. Like just piecing stuff <laughs> just together, mixing stuff, and mixing, certainly yeah. if you see some of the behind the scenes stuff, you just yeah the the art the, the sound techs and stuff just have an absolute amazing time piecing together stuff. But I do have to I do wonder whether or not so the um the compies when they're attacking Dita, there's no sound, there's no audio there, so all you can hear is the puppets and their big gas bags. So all you can hear them is going pss, 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 and they just pss, pss, they probably just went yeah let's use it. Well, right. no, they don't. No, they don't. Obviously, oh, okay. They, 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 <laughs> right. dub, they, okay. Dub, they dub over it. I was like, "Is that the sound?" Like... No, no, they dub over it all. But the same thing would be for for the um, the baby T Rex. They're carrying something that's got hydraulics and stuff, and moving. it'd probably be going, so it'd be clicking, <laughs> banging, and stuff. Oh, but true. they, but they still manage to. Yeah, it's very interesting. We've got to talk about Eddie Carr. Yeah, um, I purposely didn't go into him earlier for this reason. Um, Richard Schiff, this is his moment to shine. I mean, he he's pretty glorious throughout the whole movie. He actually is my one. He's apart from Malcolm, he's my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like if you shoot yourself in the foot? Don't do that. Just don't do that. <laughs> like, You'd be dead before you feel the prick with that. Oh, it's yeah. He's a good character, and I mean he does nothing wrong. He does nothing mm. wrong. He just he saves the day. And again, I've already talked about tension, but you've mm. got you've got Julian Moore on the bloody the glass of the trailer about to fall to a death, yeah. and then you've got yeah. Eddie. Not once, not twice, maybe three or four times. I don't know. He's he's getting those rope things and uh, you know I know they're just trying to sell the, the rope stuff in the <laughs> <laughs> tell you what though he, he um he, like so when he's when he rocks up to the trailers that are hanging over the cliff and stuff it's one of my favourite tracking shots of of, all, of any movie mm. is him going through that process so the very first thing he does is he gets the rope and he hooks it around the trunk and then he climbs through the trailer and he negotiates that whole thing, and it's all one front, one shot. Yeah. And then you get to the bottom, and then there's three of them are hanging out down the bottom, and he throws the rope yeah. down. But all of that is, it's all. I mean, that's done on that stage where they built the cliff. But it's an amazing but it's shot. A great like, shot. Yeah. You, and you see the full scope of what's dealing, and then it just never ends from there. The pacing's all there where he's just, slipping over in the mud. Like you get you get Sarah in the window, and then they save her, and then he arrives and gives them rope, and then they yeah. start climbing the rope, and then the trailer starts falling off the cliff, and then he starts towing the trailer. The rope around the, and the trunk falls, like and then, slips, yeah. yeah, and then he's got to hook the car yeah. up to the trailer, and then the T Rexes oh. attack. And Do you then, know what? And he still holds his foot on the accelerator. Yeah, he's still doing it. He's trying he, to reach yeah. for his gun. It's it's hooked. Yeah. It's 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 dude, like. One of the I just love seeing cars God. in mud, just carving up, just carving up the carving up the mud, carving yeah. up the terrain, and just I'm just like, this is this is glorious, this is gritty mm. and gross, and I'm just like, oh, munched everything. It just makes me makes but, my sugar what, bubble. I don't understand why they've they've got the he's got the window down on the, in his car for some stupid no, reason, like, <laughs> like the back windows down. Because he, he reaches in to get it, right? To get the rope out, but they've been in the rain for the last hour, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously they don't care about this stuff. One thing I'll say just about this scene, so uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, Eddie gets eaten, gets ripped in half. Probably one of the best deaths in the Jurassic Park franchise. Oh, the squeal that he makes. Yeah, <laughs> or is that the T Rex? I don't know. No, no, it's him with squeals, leg like by the gets pulled by the it's leg. It's pretty epic. Then he gets bitten by the on his torso and then ripped in half, and it's just like, oh my god. I remember watching that as a kid and just being like, my mind was blown. <laughs> but remember in the first movie how there's a few continuity issues, right? 
um, particularly around the T-Rex attack where like the door was open one scene and oh, it was closed. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, when he's carving up, you see a box fly. Right? Oh, okay. And then and that's in real time, so it's like it's just the f- it's just spun it out, right? When the T Rex has come out, so this full CG moment, that box is right, like gets kicked and moved like just a little bit to the side, but it's in the shot, and there's no way they needed to do that because even the cars CG, like mm. it's it's all it's highlighted with CG, and I was just like just noting that this has got a little bit more of an attention to detail, I think, detail. In, the, in, the continu- in the continuity to it all. <laughs> so, Because that first one, I mean, the first movie was so amazing, but you're more blown away by the fact you're seeing a T-Rex, whereas this, this is just a never-ending cycle of pain for the poor man, and it's just cut together perfectly. It's another, I mean, to, to follow up on that, on the T-Rex paddock scene from Jurassic Park, which mm-hmm. is one of the most cinematically engaging suspenseful things you've ever, I've ever seen on screen yeah like everything about it is wonderful even with this little goofs and stuff you know nothing's yeah. perfect but it's just glorious yeah. this is such a good follow up um, oh they just up the ante to yeah, 10 it's like the suspense is like turned up to 12 yeah. two T-Rexes yeah. I mean come on yeah. and then yeah it's not a it's not a goofy death like um, you know lawyer on the toilet yeah. this is this is someone like sacrificing his life. Like he could have just bailed, but he's like, "No, I got to help these guys, yeah. and I'm going to seek this out." And he knew he was gone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but he tries to the very he end. He does to try save to get himself. Out of it. Yeah, <laughs> he does. But uh, what an amazing scene! So right. we will remember Eddie, R.I.P. Eddie. Um, oh, Eddie in the novel, by the way, gets eaten by raptors. Right. Um, and he's in the high hide, which is different to here. Oh, and the raptors. They climb up the high hide and they're trying to belt the raptors away as they're climbing up and one grabs him on the shoulder and pulls him down. And it's... Oh, my God. It would have been so... It's incredible. Michael Crichton knows how to write some good dinosaur scenes. Holy shit. Let's talk about raptors then. Good segue. They they even talk about... Like, like, they scream as he goes down and then they all drop and then he's just gone. Rob, I've done the raptor segue already. All right, raptors. Long grass. Raptors. Again, following up from Jurassic Park, bloody raptor scenes in the yeah. kitchen, in the vents, oh. in the not in the vents, but you know what I mean, like all of that. Do you reckon they? This is different. This it is different. different. It's a different thing. So you're seeing them, you like in the first movie, it's all about the emphasis on their hunting skill and stuff. And here, you're actually seeing like aerial footage of them hunting, like. Yeah, it's, it's just an ad, it's, it's, it's an added. Weird. It's like without the Doctor Grant character, you're not getting the talk about them being super smart and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you like only if you're reading into it and you're like, okay, they are they're hunting, they're being strategic. But they're also kind of a bit dumb yeah. in these scenes. Like there's a lot going on. The action's fun and the raptors look cool. I love their skin designs, yeah. you know, like with like the patterns and all that and kind tiger, of stuff. Tiger the yeah. males are tiger looking, yeah. But you know, like I mean, in the long grass. Mm. Fantastic, you know, like yeah. they're it's spooky. They're yeah. like they're like monsters, you know, like mm. they're they're coming out there, they're tired. So they're just jumping on 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 guys like left, right, center. It's crazy. Yeah. When you get to Ian, Sarah, Kelly, around like the the village there, it's it's like the girls are in the in the building. Yeah. Uh, Ian's like bound, like he's fumbling through windows and yeah. breaking doors off and like getting in the car and yeah. just like, what is happening? Like it's, I disagree it's strongly. Fun. I think it's fun. It's, it's great. fun, but I'm like, I, 
it's just missing that element from that first film where like, oh, these are real... Like, in the long grass, like I said, threatening, scary. Yeah. When you get to them at the village, it just becomes a bit... It's a bit goofy. It could be. A, I can see what you're saying. Even when like Sarah falls off the, you know, falls off the roof, and it's like, why are they not eating it? It's they're like fighting each other. They're fighting it. Like why? Like what the hell? Uh, some of the redeeming things about that scene though is Kelly's got... gymnastics. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we talked about it. We talked about it. Um, but no, the the like the introduction of the raptors to start with is like one jumps out of the blue. Knocks over Sarah, grabs her backpack, and rips it off. Lucky pack again. Yeah. And then it start it's it starts walking towards him, and then um, Malcolm distracts it right, and that's the one that follows him around. The girls run straight to the room, and then out of nowhere, two extra like two raptors come out, and then they start digging under the door. It's like the pacing's still there. I agree that it could look even a little bit slapsticky the way it's all yeah. kind of unfolding. Oh, with there's the still some cool shots, like like yeah. you said, with the raptors digging under the door yeah. when they're kind of going under the fence, and then and suddenly one it's comes like out one. Nowhere. It's like that's terrifying. Yeah, that's scary. Like there's cool stuff in there, mm. but I don't know. It's it's just it's definitely a, it's definitely not the kitchen. There's stuff. a lot. There's a lot happening. Maybe it's a bit too much, and yeah. I don't know. Well, I just don't feel like you. I think the raptors are there the most cinematic in the first movie. Anything really beyond that, it's like the, the mystery's gone from them. Like, you, you already now know that they're just amazing killing machines. Yeah, so, they're, just, they're just fast, quick, smart Yeah, creatures. even in the third one, like, in all those scenes, anything beyond. Yeah. Once um, again, like, they look good, though. We're getting a mix of oh, animatronics good. and the CGI. For the full body, of course, CGI. Yeah. When we get just the top half, you know, like, especially when, yeah. he, when there is that one raptor trying to break through the glass mm-hmm. um, when Ian's in the car, it's like... It's like that's really there. Like that's yeah. happening. That's not a yeah. Like, well, that glass is there. That's I'm sure it's not real glass, but it's all mm. it's all happening. It's scary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I like it, and and it's a little bit shorter than like the. the it's just quick and short and sharp. It's quick. Yeah. yeah. It's not sus- the the suspense is kind of not in this scene. Yeah. It's like they had run out of suspense. Now it was mm. all let's action, action, action. One of the things I really like, though, is when Malcolm and that are getting to the long grass and then they stop, they find the pack, and they can, and they can hear, they listen, they can hear yeah. the raptors. I find that shot a little bit kind of cheesy. It's like they're all just yeah. like, they're kind of looking at Ian like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like, what's, what is it? Yeah. And he's just like, Rub. I've only heard this sound once, but I remember. Because mm. <laughs> you think about it, he only interacted with the raptors one time. And- so apparently based on some of the storyboarding is RJ his, he runs into the grass right? yeah but you don't see him die but there was a scene where he had a death scene he has a death scene right and I don't know if they filmed it but there is a still of him looking almost directly at the camera like in, in character as if like it's about to happen yeah and apparently the screaming that you hear is RJ well you I mean they find his bag and you never see RJ again so you just assume he's dead yeah. I like how he does conveniently throw his bag. Yeah. And then, like, Nick picks it up. Mm. He's like, oh, it's out of his bag. Earlier, when they're like, oh, here are the like, coordinates, the com- coordinates yeah. communication codes, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll take those, and they yeah. put them in RJ's bag. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that, all, that all tracks. Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. And so you, you, might, you might go, why is he yelling, don't go into long grass, but he's going into the long grass? And it's because he's in charge. Yeah. So he feels like he's got to be with the men, but that's why he throws the bag because he knows he's about to die. <laughs> so he's like, oh, he's so like, he's, he's like, like throwing it back for somebody else. Yeah. yeah. 
So he's going in to get the guys out of the See, grass. See, so, like, yeah. his character could have been so much more. Yeah. But because we barely know who he is, we're just like, eh. Yeah. I want to point this out. Spielberg said that um, they, he had considered a super raptor type mm. creature. Um, but he ended up rejecting that idea because... And I love this because <laughs> you just wait. Um, he said it was a little too much out of a horror film. And he said he didn't want to create an alien. Now, where have we seen a super raptor? Oh, in that, well, in that, in that wonderful Fallen Kingdom movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So like, but then, but then it happened anyway. So then it happened anyway. Anyway, let's get to San Diego because they're off the island. It's all, yeah. it's all happening. Well, I guess as a transition to it, mm. there was an all, an mm. alternate Pteranodon. Yep. Or alternate Pteranodon endings, I should say. Yep. There's some storyboarding of this. That yeah, you can see. it's really interesting. You look at the special features on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, yeah. YouTube, whatnot. Yeah. Malcolm and his group escape raptors uh, by hang gliding off a cliff, and they encounter pteranodons yeah. and they get hassled. All of that. There's an aerial battle where pteranodons attack the helicopter that they're trying to escape the island on. Um, so we've seen both of these scenes now. In Jurassic, Jurassic Three, Three and, and Jurassic World, World, I guess. Jurassic yeah. World, yeah. So, so uh, you know, it's the same. Around. It's all coming around. So they've used these. The, the we do see the only times we do actually see a pteranodon in this film is at the end. Yes, in in that shot, and I don't like that. It's a cool shot, but it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It's well, like, it doesn't make sense given what the third film does. Exactly. I mean, there's a birdcage, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, so but like, anyway, that's that third. We'll get to that. We'll get to the third film. We'll oh my yeah. god, I'm getting antsy about it. Absolutely. But it would have been... I guess that would have been kind of cool, but they they ultimately decided on, let's do a T-Rex on the mainland. Big yeah. T-Rex rampage. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've got it here in your notes, but I'm, I know I've definitely um, read it in some production notes somewhere. This was Spielberg's... He really wanted to do it, and he didn't think he was going to be coming back for the third one. So he's made the call to put it in and this, shoot and chew in. Um, it's it's cool because on one hand it's like, look, here's a filmmaker and he's making a decision because he wants to make a fun... I mean, he wants to make a good movie, but he also wants mm. to make a fun movie and he made a decision based on something that he wanted to do. Yeah. He was like, I want to see this, so I'm going to yeah. do it. This yeah. will be fun, so yeah. I want to do it. And it is fun. It is pretty fun. It's pretty amazing. I get why people have their critiques of it. It is jarringly different from the rest of the movie. Yeah. The movie does change gears. It's suddenly it's like, whoa, suddenly this is happening. Yeah. But to be fair, it's set up throughout the whole movie. Yeah. The idea of a dinosaur on the mainland, it builds to it. Yeah. It's not out of place. It doesn't no. come out of nowhere. And going with what Spielberg was saying about changing things from the first movie, you know, by not having, say, the Roland scene because it's too similar to the Dennis Nedry scene. Yeah. The way that they get off the island, they're in a helicopter and they're kind of... He doesn't want his movie to end with them flying, flying away. away. They want something so different. it definitely needed to conclude in a different manner as well. So yeah. that's, what he's, that's what he's done. Well, so. Spielberg, his love of monster films, you know, yeah. The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, yeah. Gorgo, King Kong, Godzilla movies... Yeah. Like, he wanted to make a, a fun, like, monster flick at the end of, of this one. And, you know, it is fun. Inspired by the Brontosaurus in London scene from 1925. Um, and now, we asked at the top whether or not you'd seen that. So, from from memory, so I've seen that movie before. Yeah, the 1925 memory, The Lost World. Yeah. yeah, I'm 
can't remember that scene. Like, but anyway, must have been that long ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, it's also there's no such thing as a brontosaurus, by the way. There was back then, but doesn't matter. It's, Why is it's a brontosaurus not a thing? That's that's crazy. That's madness. Did you know the only San Diego shot in this film is actually when the helicopter flies over the um, like the buildings? No, and you see the the cityscape. So various members of the film crew are featured running away. So you've got David Kep. He's unfortunately the... And he's credited as the unlucky bastard because he's the one that gets eaten. Oh, and he, he makes like such the most squirmiest noises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you also see Kathleen Kennedy, producer. Oh, dear. Cool. So cool. she's one of the ones running. You also see a bunch of Japanese tourists running. And well, there's your Godzilla reference. <laughs> well, apparently they say something about Godzilla in... Japanese, oh. but um, I, I can't remember the specifics. You don't know Japanese, so no. you don't. <laughs> so do you, can't, Japanese. you can't confirm it, nor will I've you just, try. I've just read about it. But yeah, so they're running. So yeah, there's a few um, high-level producers and yeah, the writer, David Kep. He gets eaten, which I didn't... Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's yeah, funny. It's funny. I think as a little boy watching this movie, and I know I was a littler boy than you. <laughs> I still am. But... The kid in the in his bedroom, and he sees the T Rex outside drinking from his pool, and he wakes up his parents, and he's like, yep. "There's a dinosaur in the backyard." I mean, that's that's every boy's little every little boy's dream and nightmare at the same time. It's true, like haunting, just haunting, but just a cool thing. Mm. And I guess just like Spielberg said, like it's fun. I want to do it because it's fun and it's something yeah. different, and we hadn't seen that yet, and it was new. Yeah. It was, it was cool. I, I liked it. So they did um, storyboard the T-Rex breaking into the house. Um, yeah. They did, they... Not eating anybody, but destroying the room. Like, yeah, um, like seconds after the... that scene cuts, there's like the T-Rex. Yeah. It just reacts to and the there's flash. That, and there's then... that infamous photo of Steven Spielberg's daughter, or one of his daughters. In the trashed room. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, apparently with this movie, there is so many like deleted or planned things that just didn't pan out and stuff like a that. A lot of... I mean, we talked about the, the bloody ending was changed, but I think, you know, it was a fun ending and it's a, it was a callback. They got to utilise the baby T-Rex again. Yeah. Um, it, it really... It works. It works. And the seed was planted throughout the whole movie. The idea mm. of taking a dinosaur off this island is a bad idea. Yeah. Let's see that yeah. come to fruition and it, it's no good. Yeah. just want to point out Malcolm drives a 1969 Pontiac Custom S. Yeah. Not a car guy. Thought someone might be interested. He also trashes it. Yeah, but it's all right. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, not too much. There's an amazing, there's, a, there's an amazing <laughs> shot where they are about to steal the, uh, steal, take the baby, and as the as the door closes, the mirror like swings around, and then you see the guy with, with a gun pointing at him. Yeah, great, great little shot. Oh, and he's like, and he's like, you want to stop us? Shoot us! Shoot us! They don't shoot him. They do not shoot him. <laughs> but they have no idea what they're doing. He doesn't actually give any explanation at all. He doesn't turn around and go, "Yeah, it's mum is or dad yeah, is we're currently rampaging this. and eating people." Yeah, they're literally just stealing in general. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just it's like, yeah, no worries. They're just man. stealing yeah. this creature that could, you know, <laughs> with multi millions. I want to keep this in my backyard. Uh, I want to ask you this question: the boat, the yeah. boat that the T Rex comes on. Obviously, there's a disaster. And do you know what? I've always questioned what the hell had happened on this island until I watched this movie yesterday. And I well, What do you think worked... happened? Well, I always thought, oh, was like, compies or was there a raptor or something? Yeah. I realised that the T-Rex was not kept in the cargo hold. No. He was kept 
on his like you know the the cage thing on the deck, and you can see that on the deck being it was when you see it when the boat crashes that it's um, that it's been destroyed yeah somewhat so. The T Rex, you know, they explained that they doped him up and he yeah. pretty much was like on adrenaline. Yeah. So obviously he got out of there, mm. did his havoc on the boat, and then they eventually managed to start like before dying, they yeah. managed to to lock him in. Lock him in the cargo yeah. hold. So maybe someone sacrificed himself and ran down there, like Yeah, yeah. well the guy with the I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Only I I swear to god, only yesterday was I like, oh, it's very clear what happened. Yeah. I still don't really know what happened with the guy's hand on the, the you know, the. Well, you don't see the roof, so maybe the roof's been ripped. Well, off that's or it. Maybe the yeah. backside of that um that yeah. little cabin thing is is gone. There's no way the T Rex could have got his head through that door. So. Yeah, but, but I think that's always been a hint of like it was something smaller. But I'm like, no, not necessarily because yeah, like you said, you yeah. never see the back. Yeah. It's an interest. It's always just been a, an interesting question because it's. Yeah, you have to look at all the visuals to work out what happened. If you read the books as well, so the first movie ends, the first book ends with raptors on a boat because they're escaping from the island. Like, dinosaurs are getting off the island, that's the thing. So that was always thrown in there as potential is that there's other dinosaurs on that boat that are just not on there anymore. They might have fallen off or something. Yeah. But ultimately, I think... I think it was just the T-Rex. The T-Rex broke out of its cage. And just... Yeah, because it was freaking a machine just got shit done yeah so there you go mate let's let's leave the movie for a moment we'll come back and do our rating in just a sec yeah but i've got a quiz here for you yeah no worries as we know i always say six questions it's wrong i mean i usually only get six right (laughs) six correct answers out of ten um ten questions 60 seconds that's how we do it that's how we do it indeed are you ready to go, my friend? I've got a timer, so I'm ready to go. I'll count down for three, two, one, go. How many miles is Isla Sauna from Isla Nublar? 137. Incorrect. What photos does John Hammond have on his desk? He's got a photo of Lex and Tim. Correct. What does Nick state he expected to see on the island? Uh, iguanas. Large iguanas. Mm. Well, I don't know what else. <laughs> Who does Roland refer to when describing the Parasaurolophus? Elvis. Correct. Who does the woman on the radio mistake Ian for? Um, Carlos. Incorrect. What does no, Sarah... Rick, 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 no, um, Ricardo, or whatever his name is. Uh, incorrect. What does Sarah want when she asks Nick to spit? The gun. Correct. Who gets stepped on by one of the T-Rexes? Carlos. Correct. Car- oh, no, Carter, oh. Carter. Correct. <laughs> what is the name of the boy whose backyard is visited by the T-Rex? Billy. Incorrect. What is advertised on the side of the San Diego bus? Do not know. What Tom Hanks movie is being advertised in Blockbuster? It's a surfing movie of some Oh, my... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, what, what you was got it? four. I don't even know which four you got correct. Um, Read them out to me. Isla Sauna is 87 miles southwest from so Isla Nublar. Yeah, right. It changes in with Jurassic Park 3. Did you know that? I try not to it's think a, about it's it. A different, it's a different That's, a, that's yeah. a different conversation, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, Nick states that he expected to see pig iguanas. No, he says big iguanas. No, he says pig iguanas. Really? I'm pretty sh- certain. Look, if it is big... Uh, I thought it was big iguanas. Uh, look, we're going to have to go back and uh, we're going to have to do a re-audit. Okay, potentially you got five then. Anyway, not, I'm pretty sure he says pig iguanas. Like That's why Malcolm calls him a fruitcake, because it's like... He expected to well, see he calls them fruitcakes. Oh, well, yeah, that's... That's it. Um, the woman on the radio mistakes Ian for Enrique. 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 Yeah. Um, Benjamin is the boy 
Benjamin. Benjamin is a boy in the what, bedroom. What's written on the bus? Um, there is an ad for Burger King, or more specifically, <laughs> the Whopper. Is that right? Um, yeah. And it's interesting because um, there was a Burger King campaign. Yeah, you we, could you with, with any me. value meal you could get a. Um, uh, Jurassic World, uh, the Lost World. Sorry, um, wristwatch for a yes. dollar ninety nine. I think there was four of them, and yeah. very cool. I want them all. <laughs> um, the Tom Hanks movie being advertised as a standboard, uh, cardboard cutout is Tsunami Sunrise. That's right. It's a fictional movie. It's not real. I think there's also a Robin Williams Jack and the Beanstalk. No, movie. Jack. It's the movie Jack. No, it's Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's oh, not. Right. It's not. Well, it's no, they're all fictional movies. Oh, that's so great. I, you got four, maybe five no, out of ten. God. All right, but that's that's all good, mate. Let's rate this movie out of five because we've taken too long to get here. <laughs> you can go first. All right, cool. I I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I think that I like what you were talking about about Malcolm being a darker, grittier character. But given his journey through the first movie, it completely makes sense, and it doesn't stand out to me at all. Looking back on things like special effects, this film still holds up tremendously. But there's something about this that the the new ones don't have, and that's it's more compelling dialogue. Like the dialogue between the characters, there's more it's more layered, and there's more nuance with it. And the chemistry between the characters, I think, is really strong. And that's what the first movie did as well. You've got characters that you can see maybe don't get on, but they care about like that. You know. There's a bit of banter. There's, there's stuff going on. It's not... Whereas now, nowadays movies, you just see... It's just dumb dialogue. It's, it's all just exposition. This movie was still... It was smartly written. Yeah, still. still smartly written. David Kep. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I, I rate this highly, super highly. I understand that some effects do age, but I have to admit, I barely even notice them. Barely. It's not perfect. So I did say there's a couple of things that great my grill. Like, great my grill. <laughs> get him a girl, whatever. Um, get me goat, whatever. The terminology. I really, really hate the gymnastics. I really, really, really do not like it. <laughs> it's, and it's and ten to, seconds of the movie. Though. No, but it, to me, like I dread it when it's coming up. Yeah. And I really, it just kills the pacing. It just kills. It's so unrealistic as well. I just and I actually really like Kelly. I really wish that they didn't do that to her. They didn't need to do that. But they did. Um, so to me, that's, that's got to take something off it. But for me, this is a four and a half out of five movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you, like you said, it, this is it's still a smartly written movie, much like that, that first mm. film. And it's something that the future sequels lack. You know? Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, it's still, it still feel, it feels like a sequel. Yeah. It feels like they just up the ante. Um, thematically... A successor mm. doing a, they're doing some different things and they've gone for a different style so a sequel but just different in its own in, yeah. its, in its own right the oh, effects the score the oh. score is great oh, oh, you know, mention you know, the score is yeah. great the score is fantastic the, the effects yeah are, are brilliant minor imperfections but don't get me wrong still brilliant yeah. and they still look better than a lot of the special <laughs> effects we get today yeah. and that includes the Jurassic World movies, movies. like yeah. it's it's nuts Enjoyable characters, but I mean, you know, like there, there's a bit of, there's a bit of camp here and there. There's a bit yeah. of miss. There's a bit of weird things going on, like gymnastics and flying cars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The the third act is, yeah, it's it's tacked on and it's just for fun. But you know, the movie's kind of earned its right to get there. Yeah. It, it it planted the seeds. 
completely underrated. Like I think we both agree. Like we don't yeah, understand. I don't understand. It there at are all. minor things to be upset about in this film, but they're so minor that it's the rest of the movie outweighs it because yeah. it's it's so bloody good. Oh um, I'm with you, man. Like I don't understand why this movie receives so much hate. I stand by it. it is the best Jurassic sequel. Definitely. To date. I don't care what anyone says. No, definitely. Um, 4.5 as well out of 5. Great. Two, four and a half. That's awesome. (laughs) I would love to go more, but damn gymnastics. Damn it. It just gets me. I mean, there's a bit more than that that that's that's holding it back. But I mean, 4.5 is such a high score. Barely. That that and, you know, yeah, Sarah just being an absolute nincompoop, but... I mean, maybe that's just a character. That's you know, it's just because oh, we think she's dumb, dumb doesn't mean oh yeah. I don't know. And that that final shot, that final shot with the all the dinosaurs. It's like it looks. It's a cool shot, but it's like it doesn't make any sense. What are we looking at? Yeah. What are we looking at? This is a fantasy. T Rex is a big. No, it's a fantasy. Yeah. It's a fantasy. Ridiculous. Um, and on that, <laughs> uh, ending the review with it's ridiculous. Uh, 4.5. <laughs> so that was our review to 1997 The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Wow. And I wish it was Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Yeah, so to do this I. Day. Yeah, that's why that it loses, loses a little half bit of a mark. Point. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we hope you've all enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any rewind requests, and they can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstudiopodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on either That Film Studio or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Yep. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes on the That Film Studio website. Check it out, thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. Dot com. Coming soon from that film studio is a review of the uh, the Adam Sandler driven Hoobie Halloween. Super excited for that. Um, <laughs> obviously, it sounds like comics. We've got an upcoming episode looking at Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. I'll be there. Uh, <laughs> go, Jason. Um, and our next episode on Rewind Review, we'll be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Casper. Just in time for Halloween, are you? Yes. Because you don't watch actual horror movies, we have to watch Casper. Never, ever, ever. (laughs) Such a... Uh, Thank you for listening. (laughs) This has been another Rewind and Review. See you on our next trip. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Yeah, like he and was the trying to pull the bag noises. out, but then the comfy's like, eh. I don't know. I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna do some drugs, are he? I oh, could, could be, could be. He does look a bit druggy, doesn't he? Yeah, that was a little bit. He does. If you think about well, it, the Lost World theories are flowing.